Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for listening to Sweet Tea and TV. This is Nikki. And Selena. From the future. Coming back in time from season five of our show to thank you for joining us and to give you a brief note before you jump in. As we're recording this, we're in 2023. We started this podcast in 2021, so we've had a little more experience since we started. In particular, when we think about the first season, we'll never not think about the audio quality. Boy, we struggled. That's right. At times we were recording in different places. Sometimes our recording service would just shut down or just not work the same way it did the week before. It was a real journey. All that to say, it might not be the best listen in places. So if this is your first time listening, we want you to know the audio quality gets so much better in season two as we learn more and made some improvements. And we hope you'll stay with us long enough to find that out. Now, let's get into it. Hey y'all, I'm Nikki. And I'm Selena, and this is Sweet Tea TV, a podcast by two Southerners exploring and celebrating the better parts of Southern culture on TV and in entertainment. In our first season, we'll dive into the iconic show Designing Women, a series far ahead of its time, following four strong, brazen women right here in our backyard, Atlanta. So join us as we break down each episode and discuss what they got right, what they got wrong, and how this show holds 30 plus years later. Come on, let's get into it. So Nikki. What? Before we get started today, like on the Designing Women track, I learned something this weekend and I need to know if you were in my camp or another camp. So, okay. Yeah, I know. It's broad. So do you, when I say like to pick a knit or like someone who's a, a knit picker, what, what does that mean to you? A knit picker. Someone who picks up on minute details, things that don't really matter in the grand scheme. Yeah, yeah. But, and you know how like most sayings like that have an origin. Yeah. Do you know the origin? No. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I thought it was. Okay. Or do you have, have you ever thought about it and thought that maybe you might know? Uh, I, I don't think I've ever thought about it. I'm assuming it's related to a farm animal. That's my guess. Okay. Okay. So mine was, and I will admit, like, you know, I'm not good at the domesticities. Okay. <laughs> so like sewing, knitting, I don't know. There's knit. So I thought it was related to knitting. Oh. And I was like, well, you know what wouldn't be helpful is like if I picked a knit in my sweater. <laughs> so I was like, clearly that's what they've been talking about all this oh, time. Interesting. No, no, but, uh, but, but that was wrong. Right. So, right. It's interesting that you took it a totally different direction than I did. Right, right. Well, it's, it's disgusting is what oh, it, well no. disgusting might be a okay all right all right i don't want to be stigmatizing anybody so okay. but here's what it is a person who nitpicks is termed a nitpicker the terminology originates from the common act of manually removing knits that's the eggs of lice generally head lice oh, yeah, yeah. from another person's hair and apparently at one point in time this was a job oh man so yeah uh, so I was it just... It still is a job. You can hire That's someone true. to come to your house and get rid of lice from your kids' heads. That's absolutely true. And that's or how I know... too, I guess. Yes. And that's how I know because 
one of my friend's kids went to a school or where there was a lice outbreak. Oh, no. And so she learned that there's like, actually like, uh, like close to our office, there's uh, the lice ladies. Yes. Lice yes, ladies exactly. brought to you by North Druid Hills coming down now in Atlanta. I don't know. Maybe they want to sponsor, maybe they want us to sponsor, you know, maybe they advertise for them. Don't want us maybe to they don't. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Maybe it's not the lice ladies. I don't know. Anyways, I just wanted to know if before we jump into the recap and Designing Women episode two. Before we start picking the nits of this episode. Yes. Oh, look at you bringing it full circle. <laughs> yeah. So I just needed to know, was like I out there, like I just felt like this was five days ago, but you know, I I felt like I had just been born just that day. You, you were five days ago old when you learned what a nitpicker means. That's. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so I well, am glad that know. it's two of us. I know. And look, now our listener knows too. There you go. We've taught so. them something more than just designing women today. That's right. Well, and like, you know, I bet you my, our listener, grandma, she already knew. <laughs> She's a smart lady. <laughs> she knew. Yeah. So I guess let's go ahead and jump into old episode two here. All right. This one, uh, this one was a big one. I, I, I was, I loved it. I I'll just go ahead and say that. I excited to talk about this one. Yeah, very much so. So the Hulu episode description on this one is Suzanne's substantial beauty contest expertise rises to the fore with surprising results when Charlene sponsors Mary Jo's daughter in the Miss Preteen Atlanta contest. And I think Selena, it's worth noting, and I'm curious if you noticed this on your account as well, um, on Hulu at least on my account, it noted this as an essential episode to watch around designing yes. women. Yes, which th I did not know. I mean, I've had Hulu for a year now. <laughs> Everybody, I feel like people are like, how have you only had it for a year? <laughs> but it took me a long time to cut the cable cord. And I, I didn't even know that that was like a thing. But I did notice that they had a whole lineup. And it's crazy that on the second episode... Right. Of the show, already essential. Right. So. That's my point. I just felt yeah. like, I, I felt like I needed to say it because it felt huge. Yeah. And, and I want to say too, that besides rises to the four, I felt like this was a really good description as compared to the pilot. Right. Which like totally gave everything away. I mean, you still get like lots of things from watching the show, even if you read this recap. So right. I, I thought that was great. And then I'll just say in general that like, I get really excited when it's like about pageants, yeah. when like a show or a movie or whatever, because I, there's just something about a pageant. I feel like it brings up a lot for people. Mm -hmm. And so people have really strong views about them. And, uh, you know, at least one character is going to have an introspective moment. They're going to find themselves. And like, so I just got really excited because I knew we had some good stuff in store because I don't, I don't really remember this one mm -hmm. um, before watching it. And then I, I'm getting like a little bit of a glimmer, but not much. Yeah. So just to kind of like take us in, let's like set the scene a little bit, uh, starting to pick up on the fact that we're probably going to start most of our episodes right there in the Sugar Baker design firm. You know, we're always going to get the shot of the house and. It may make sense. It's where it centers around. And weirdly, are we going to start every episode with a phone call that Charlene's taking? Well, 
it's going to be on our bingo card. Oh, right. So, yeah. So uh, I think so, because that's what we've had out of these first two. Right. And I don't know, something that we can keep our eye on. Okay. But, you know, I think also there's some really great 80s mentions already. <laughs> Julia asked Charlene straight from the beginning, those pink valances, have they come in yet? Mm, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, and I'm picturing like that 80s, 90s mauve color. Oh, yeah. And it just, and, and I, I feel like I need to say, if you don't know what a valance is, because I feel like I had to be taught that at some point, mm, mm-hmm. like by my mother-in-law, I think, because I was like, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a window treatment that covers the uppermost part of the window. And it can be hung alone or it can be paired with like blinds or curtains or whatever. Uh, but it's just not as common these days. It's like very traditional. Mm-hmm. So, which I would kind of expect from a designer too, because yeah. you want to, like everything for designers is like real buttoned up, you know, off the bat too, just uh, thinking about the other thing that felt very eighties from the get go was that uh, we find out that Charlene sells makeup. Right. And not that people don't sell makeup today, but I think she even mentioned like in, like in home demos or mm-hmm. something. And that right there, like that is, 80s 90s to me Mary Kay Uh, Avon yeah yeah I'm just picturing it all so I thought like if we're going to continue to talk about how we're hitting that those 80s notes well that seemed to be a place where we were but I'm going to go ahead and just say that knowing you knowing me there was something within those first couple of minutes that got you 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 heard it too yeah did you hear the Carl's Jr. reference I did which is really weird. You want to tell everybody why in case they're not from the South? Yeah. So it really struck me because I, I don't Carl's Jr. is not a Southern thing. And um, the sort of Carl's Jr.'s counterpart in the South is called Hardee's. And I only know that from maybe like a few years ago. I, know, I noticed it at some point in – I don't eat at Hardee's very often, but it is one of my favorite fast food breakfast restaurants. And I just noticed that somehow they're intertwined. So it caught my ear when she said Carl's Jr. I was like, hold up. If we're trying to hit kind of the Southern stride with this show, that seemed whatever the the version of anachronistic for this situation is, whatever that is, that's what it felt like to me. So I think, Selena, I would love it if I could do a Nikki's Nibbles segment which is something that I would really love to cover Southern food in. Would you be okay with that? I am totally okay with it. Uh, But just since this is an audio show, would you mind spelling nibbles? Nibbles. Like food you nibble. N-I-B as in banana. B-L-E-S. Okay. I just want to make sure that we're able to keep our clean podcast going. Okay. I still think it's a creative name. I still love the name. No, no, I like it. Just, I'm just wanting to clarify for all those people out there who have the mind of a 13-year-old boy like me. So, go on. Nikki's nibbles. Come on, y'all. Let's talk fiddles. Nikki's nibbles. Come on, y'all. Let's eat. Do you like the, the theme music, Selena? Yes. 
<laughs> so I'm so scared that's going to get stuck in my head later. <laughs> Because it won't be explainable to my husband. <laughs> my husband has been walking around the house singing it with different words. So it is, I, I just want to say, this is how Taylor Swift got her start, was just writing, you know, she had to write music. She had to start somewhere. So maybe this could be my start. Yeah, I recorded okay. it in three takes. That's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. So I think for Nikki's Nibbles, um, now that we have theme music, it's a real, it's a thing now. I like to think of this segment as like kind of a pause for the culinary cause, like a moment where we can stop and think about anything related to Southern food. And this time I want to think about this Carl's Jr. reference because it really incensed me. Um, and incensed me because I was like, Carl's Jr. doesn't feel Southern to me. Um, I happen to know it's not Southern. So I had to kind of go a little bit down a rabbit hole on this. Um, I do want to back up a little bit and say that in episode one, we mentioned that um, a little bit of a frustration, they mentioned TGI Fridays. And we talked a little bit about why wouldn't they choose something very like deeply Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as I was like kind of expressing that frustration, I realized, well, this was meant to be a national show. And so if they had said like the varsity, no one outside of Atlanta would have really gotten that reference, or at least outside of kind of the Southeast would have gotten that reference, right? Oh, yeah. So I want to give them the benefit of the doubt that they wanted to pick something that was very nationally referenceable. And they didn't really have Chick-fil-A to reference. I think a lot of people now know Chick-fil-A, but that we'll get into wasn't even really a thing in the 80s outside of Atlanta. So I'm willing to give them that credit. But they threw those rules out the window with the Carl's Jr. reference because when I did my deep dive into um, – like restaurants and nationally available restaurants. Um, Carl's Jr. is decidedly West Coast. And it even was um, in the 80s. And so I found some things that showed that it was really kind of like California in the 80s. So this was like them picking a restaurant that registered with them living in California and filming this show in California. So that all comes together to mean that that was a major faux pas in terms of restaurant locations that they could have used. So that all brings me to Nikki's Nibbles. And I want to call this one <laughs> other restaurants they could have accurately used instead of Carl's Jr. So okay. my criteria for inclusion, it had to be based in the South and it had to be available in other states in the mid 80s. So that's kind of my national appeal criteria. That feels like it was probably pretty hard to track. Oh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm the most thorough researcher, but I think I was able to find some, find some interesting things. Oh, that's good. I'm proud of you. It's been hard to track 80s things. Yeah, it really has. Yeah. But fortunately, a lot of the um, restaurants, and especially the ones that are franchised, they have very good websites in terms of their history because they're very proud of their history and sort of their legacy. So the first one I think that's pretty well, – let me ask this first. What is your favorite Southern – but also available in other states' restaurant. Do you have one? Oh, probably not right off the top of my head, only because, and are we talking definitely fast food or does it matter? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter, except that most of this, most of those sorts of restaurants are kind of like fast, fast casual. I mean, the only one, and I'm sure I'm getting this way wrong, so you're going to have to school me because the only one that immediately comes to mind is because of where we live is Chick-fil-A. 
Right. So, um, which actually like, I, I mean, I like Chick-fil-A, but I don't, I'm the only time I ever crave it is on Sundays and that's because it's closed. Right. So, uh, so I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I'm going to say Chick-fil-A just because that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. So please teach me things. Well, I'll spoiler alert and tell you Chick-fil-A is an honorable mention on my list and I'll get into why. Um, but I have a handful of restaurants. So Waffle House was, oh my. I, you know, I was, I was waiting. I was waiting to see if that's one you use. It was established in 1955 yeah. in Avondale yep. States, which is a community right outside Atlanta. Um, so they were outside of Atlanta by the 1960s alongside the expansion of the interstate system. Mm-hmm. So that means Charlene totally could have ordered some scattered, smothered, covered hash browns when she sold that woman discount beauty products. Yeah, absolutely. That also, I just have, yeah, I'm, I'm also, I had to speed to stop for a second and say that my friends are going to disown me for forgetting about Waffle House. Well, so. you didn't have to admit that you forgot. I said, what is your favorite? Maybe Waffle House isn't your favorite. Oh, well, there's that truth, too. But I will take an all-star special. I mean, oh, yeah. waffles are good. Yeah. Sorry. I, have, I haven't had Waffle House in a really long time. <laughs> it's, yeah. They really the do treat. have the best waffles. Yeah. Um. So Bojangles was established in 1977 in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. Um. So it's hard That to... one's new to Georgia, though, so relatively. Really? I didn't know about Bojangles until, like, 10 years ago. Huh. So it's hard to tell exactly when they franchised out of the South, um, but they were definitely outside the South in the late 80s because there was a location in New York. um, And I think in Manhattan, actually, um, as early as as 1982, (laughs) not 1892, uh, 1982. So they could have mentioned Bojangles, um, KFC, was first franchised in 1952 in Utah, but it has its origins in Kentucky. So I'm not going to really go really into KFC and the Colonel, but if you're interested, you should totally look up that entry on Wikipedia because the Colonel was a whole character. Um, mm. And it would have been available nationwide by the time they wrote this episode. And I think I think it's decidedly Southern because of the Kentucky tie. Um, I also think... Selena, and I don't know how, are you familiar with the big chicken in Marietta? Yes. So I feel like because we're, we're Atlanta based, because we're talking about Southern restaurants, I do feel like we should mention the big chicken for uh, any North Atlanta listeners, just to give them a little credit, but also for people who aren't from Atlanta. Um, But this is a 56 foot tall chicken rising up out of a KFC building on Cobb Parkway. Um, Again, it's a really interesting Wikipedia article. Um, But if you're ever in Atlanta and you're up that way, it's kind of cool to drive by. Um, But it is just a KFC restaurant. Yeah, it's definitely like an Atlanta landmark. And and Marietta is in the northern suburbs of Atlanta. I don't know. Well, I think eventually, like one of the things that we've talked about doing is sort of talking about all of the different neighborhoods that Mm, we're mm -hmm. familiar with because they all have like these extremely different flavors. Um, And then Cracker Barrel was established in 1969 in Lebanon, Tennessee. Um, By 1987, they had locations in eight states. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if it meets that criteria of having been nationally available, but I'm, I'm letting it in because it was eight states. And Selena, did you know 
that Maple Street Biscuit Company, which is someplace I've been trying to sell you on going um, in Duluth here right outside Atlanta, is a subsidiary of Cracker Barrel. I Oh, it's like fancy Cracker Barrel. I've been. Mm-hmm. I went. Oh, it's you did delicious. go. I did. Oh, it's I wonderful. didn't know. Yeah, I went for um, uh, like a birthday breakfast like oh. a couple of years ago. So, and it, it was awesome. I mean, they've got uh Wow, I just totally missed that you went. I thought you'd never been. Mm-mm. Oh, it's I funny. mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, I have been. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So, yeah, delicious. Absolutely. Look well, up I... that menu. It's worth just looking at the menu on sure. that one, people. And yeah. they're available in other places. This is not a, a Duluth-specific thing. They, they do have other locations. Uh, but I just thought that was a fun little aside that you might be interested in. Do you like to think that eventually someone will be yelling at you from their car about the restaurant that you're missing? <laughs> that's a real comforting thought. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. I feel like I need to caveat all of this with, I'm not a researcher. I just felt very passionately about this Carl's Jr. misreference that I it really sent me down a rabbit hole. So the, I do have a couple other less obvious um selections they may be less obvious for non-southern listeners i'm not sure shoney's <gasps> shoney's yeah my heart it's a breakfast bar people it's a breakfast bar it's a bar of breakfast it is it, it, it is it was much well bigger. it may have not been then I, well no, <laughs> I was, no i was gonna say Maybe this is a gap in my research. I don't really know how many more Shoney's there are. It was something that was definitely a part of childhood for me. We definitely mm-hmm. stopped at Shoney's occasionally for, to your point, the breakfast bar. Mm-hmm. And it was delicious. Um, but it was actually established in 1954 as a big boy franchise um, in mm-hmm. Virginia, um, but franchised throughout the Southeast um, by the early 90s. So I think they could have used Shoney's. Um, it's, it's, it loosely fits the criteria. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah. In the 80s, I think that was like primetime Shoney time. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was definitely Shoney's primetime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they absolutely. So could have used that. Um, and, uh-huh. and then this one I added in because my, um, my husband mentioned it. Bennigan's? Yeah. Do you know Bennigan's? I don't actually uh-huh. know Bennigan's. Okay. So that was like... It's like in, it's similar to Fridays or Applebee's, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And they were around when we were little. And then I, I'm not really sure what happened. I'm, I, I think they went the way of Sizzler. But I, I'll just throw another one out there that's no longer available. But uh, Bennigan's had, uh, well, one of my favorite sandwiches, which is uh, Monte Cristo. Oh. So that's kind of one of the things that they were really known for. I would say now, because I don't fully remember, but if you were to ask like my mom and my dad, they would say it was a, like it was Applebee's and Fridays, but good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Or better. I know that that Applebee's and Fridays for some people is really wonderful. So I don't want to poo-poo on that for them. (laughs) So they were established in 1976 in Atlanta, but oddly their first location was in Virginia. Um, Huddle House was established in 1964 in Decatur, Georgia, but it was really kind of hard to tell when they franchised out of Atlanta, but I wanted to include it in the list. And then I do have a couple of honorable mentions I'll run through real quick. So we mentioned the Varsity um, was established in 1928 in Atlanta, but it's never really expanded. It's, it's never expanded beyond the Atlanta market. Um, so according to their website, they still have seven locations 
varying, you know, uh, varsity junior, regular varsity. Uh, and most, I think for most people that they would recognize the crown jewel right off the downtown connector as you're coming through Atlanta, which is the big original, um, original adjacent, um, varsity location. Um, yeah. But can we tell people like how big a, did you go as a field trip when you were in school? No, but I didn't move here till middle school. That feels like an elementary school field trip. Okay. Yes. And it was. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize you weren't here till middle school. Okay. So uh, yeah, it was a field trip like a few times or it would get sort of wrapped into a field trip. Right. So that makes sense. if we went to like World of Coke, which used to be somewhere else, it's, it used to be in downtown. Right. Now it's, well, it's in another part of downtown. But anyways, like you would go there and then you would go to the cyclorama and then you would go to the varsity. And so like, that was like the trek and the varsity is just like a huge deal. Yeah, so it really is. It's, it's the heartburn that you need when you're in Atlanta. So if you're coming to visit, don't leave without having somebody yell at you at the drive-thru. What do you have? What do you have? Cause and you're still there doing it. You tell them you want the orange dream because it's life changing. Did I get the name right? I haven't had one in a long time. I it, it I know a lot of people say it tastes like an orange dream sickle yeah. and I'm going to be in trouble for this too cuz I don't remember it's a, I is it an orange it an orange frosty or something It's so it doesn't matter. It's something orange on the menu. Definitely get it. It's very good. Uh we don't actually eat varsity very often. We have a very heated debate in our family about whether hot dogs should be grilled or boiled and they are a boiled hot dog location. So um we don't eat there very often. Oh. Oh, okay. But my parents love it. It's a frosted orange. I'm frosted sorry. Orange. I couldn't help myself. Yeah. Again, that just that idea of people yelling in the car. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I should have fact checked that before I did this. Not a professional. Um, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is an obvious one. The reason it didn't make my list is because um, it hadn't expanded past Atlanta very much, if at all, um, by the late 1980s. So again, if you're visiting in Atlanta, um, just outside of uh, where the airport is in a little town called Hapeville, that's where the Dwarf Grill, the first restaurant, opened. And you can still visit. It's a sit-down restaurant. It's very quaint. Um, they have a delicious, I think it's like the Midnight Ham and Cheese Grilled Sandwich. Uh, it's delicious. Um, so you can order things that are not like normal Chick-fil-A food. Yes. And we but have... what's the one thing they won't find there that you can find at any other Chick-fil-A? I feel like I know this. Is it waffle fries? You got it. Yeah. Okay. It's a real so, shame. Their waffle fries yeah. are amazing. Yeah. I think people are always really thrown by that though, because I think people want to make the recommendation and they get there. They're like, no, waffle fries. Yeah. So, good call. Good call. Uh, but you should still go. You should still go. I've been several times. Very good. <laughs> a couple more. Um, Crystal was established in 1932 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, most people outside of the South won't know Crystal but they will know White Castle. And the, the person that founded Crystal actually studied White Castle. And so if you walk into a Crystal and you've been to a White Castle, they're very similar. So they stole it? I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> oh, my bad. Sorry. Um, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Zaxby's, which is um, like a, another, we're very big into the fried chicken places. Zaxby's is very fried chicken, uh, was established in 1990 in Statesboro, Georgia. 
And it's currently headquartered in Athens, which I have to call out because I went to UGA, which is based in Athens. Um, so there's still mostly a Southern restaurant, uh, but it does look like they have a few locations in the Midwest and in Utah. And McAllister's Deli was established in 1989 in Oxford, Mississippi. Um, it's the same owner currently as Moe's, which is also based in Atlanta, but way too young to be included because they didn't, um, they weren't established till 2000. Um, yes, and they only buy restaurants that start with M. Well, that's not true because they also own Schlotsky's, Carvel, and Auntie Anne's. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and did you know, Selena, that when the founder of McAllister's Deli left McAllister's Deli, he founded Nukes. Oh. Which is another one of my favorite fast casual restaurants. They have a delicious I, pimento cheese. Yeah, I feel like they may have come up a little bit between McAllister's and Nukes. I think I've eaten at McAllister's maybe twice. So I don't yeah. feel like I'm in a position to comment on their food. Yeah. Nukes is delicious. I can come. Nukes on is that. delicious. Yes, I think that's a good place to say. So I can do that. Yes. So yes. there you have it. Do you think I missed anything, Selena? I think that was super thorough and really <laughs> beats my, oh no, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I, I told you, I was really passionate about this. I created theme music. You can tell I was really into it. So if folks are listening and they think I missed anything, uh, to your point, I would very much welcome Anything else they have to share, I'm sure there's something I'm forgetting. So uh, obviously we're on Instagram at, at Sweet Tea and TV. So let me know. If I miss something, I want to know. I'm going to send you all my complaints after the show. Please do. <laughs> but I want you to formally address them to me in email. Uh, pod at gmail.com. Okay. Yes, that's where we like our complaints. And I promise I'll Private. quickly not respond to it. <laughs> okay. So the other big piece that's going on this episode is that, of course, Suzanne flaunts in because that's what she does. I think that goes along with uh, Charlene answering the phone. Right. On, yeah. At the very beginning of the episode. And we find out. Tree. Yes. And <laughs> I mean, it is literally on my list. So uh, she is turning 30 and she's upset. How are we feeling about the fact that they're portraying her as 30? And it's so funny that you said that because I automatically went, uh-uh, how old is she? Yeah. And, you know, because I'm feeling like really sensitive about my age, you know. Yeah, I hear that. And so <laughs> I went and I was like, because I was guessing she was closer to our age and, and we are, I, I know we said before that we weren't going to say, but I guess I'll just go ahead and put it out there. We're 35. And yeah, so, I, and it's not that big of a difference, but I just thought that she was a little older here she was 30. <gasps> she had just turned 30. So whenever they filmed this, she would have been, Delta Burke would have been 29. She is, and I've got, oh, I feel like I've got lots of exciting things for you here because she was born July 30th, 1956. So she is a fellow Leo. Yay. A cusper, uh, but she is a Leo. Mm -hmm. And so she would have been turning 30 right around the time that they were filming. I just, is it something about the 80s clothes that makes you look more mature? Is it the fact that we are like in permanent athleisure now and no makeup? So she just looked so mature. I was going to say, I think makeup's a big part of it. Yeah. Let me just say first that I think Delta Burke is a beautiful, beautiful woman. Oh, Not absolutely. that that's the most important thing, but, you know, sometime 
and we've talked about potentially having our moms on because they're both designing women fans, but like my mom loves Delta Burke and she just thinks that she is the most beautiful woman that like ever walked the face of the earth. So I, so it's no hit. First of all, it's no hit to be 35 or 40 or 45 or 82. You can be beautiful at any age. So let me say that. Woo. Anyways, I don't know. (laughs) Coffee's kicking in. Uh, just kidding. It's decaf because I'm old. Um, but anyways, I I thought that it's it's that harsh '80s makeup. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't maybe seem harsh then, but like it's 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 not even blush. It's rouge. You know, like right. it's just it, everything's very defined. Everything's very smoky. And then and yeah, I do think that things were a little bit more formal. I think they were trying to capture a certain kind of Southern woman in this show. So everybody's like really pinned up and dressy looking. Uh, And they were designers. So you kind of expect them to have a little bit of a clothing flair. Like I think I was just so caught off guard by it because everybody says now like teenagers look so much older than they used to. Do you know, like with the advent of the, the aesthetic and the Instagram uh, filters and (laughs) the old ladies like in the Instagrams um but with with sort of this this advent of this whole look that teenagers like an 18 year old looks so much different than I feel like I did at 18 so I just sort of expected it to go the I I don't know she just looked so much older than 30 and it just caught my eye well and then like and I know that there is still this thing that exists where women sort of feel a certain way or get in their feelings when they're about to turn 30. I know because I was there, I started claiming 30 at about 29 and a half just to kind of like, I was like, just, I don't know, just do it. I went out, I bought gardening gloves and some supplies and I was like, I garden now, right? Uh, (laughs) I I don't, as it turns out. Yeah, but I don't. I'm, you know, uh, not Shirley MacLaine from Steel Magnolias. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not Weeza, and it, it's not for me. So I think we all have to just sort of have we we are figuring out who we are. I think a little bit more at 30, but it just feels different, and I think it's marketed differently. I mean, when my friends and I turned 30, I know I told you about this in the office. It was like this never-ending parade. I love you guys. It was this never-ending parade of dirty 30s. Oh yeah. I just like it. It's it's the time to let loose. We're 30 now. (laughs) And I'm like, so I I just feel like it's different altogether. And I, I I would be curious if other people feel that way. Is it just us, you know, and how, how it might strike them as well. So I, your point is very well taken. And that was on my list as well. So interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump back into the plot line and just say, I know if you must, I know. Uh, the next thing that happens is, uh, so Char- Charlene's, this cosmetic company wants to sponsor Mary Jo's daughter. Uh, Mary Jo's daughter's name is Claudia in the, in the Miss Preteen Atlanta contest. And what we wind up finding out is that, uh, you know, Charlene didn't, didn't really tell Mary Jo and she kind of submitted her daughter's picture and yeah, her bio. Yeah. Did, well, you're a parent, Nikki. Did you have a feeling about that? I, yeah, that, I think yeah. anytime someone uses your kid's picture to do something, but I think now it's more like cybersecurity sort of fear. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I was just sort of like a beauty pageant is such a um, polarizing concept that some parents may not want their daughters doing that. So yeah, I, I could my note to myself in this section is I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I and I, I like yeah, and 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 an audience. 
I, I'm going to have to stop and ask Nikki for a parent perspective every now and then because <laughs> I felt like, to me, I just glazed right by that. And I was like, let's get into this debate. I got to tell you, the part that struck me about this um, uh, business wanting to sponsor her is my only experience with pageants with my uh, daughter. So I have a five, a soon-to-be five-year-old daughter. And my only experience is getting letters from these pageant companies inviting you to come to a pageant. And your first reaction is, oh my gosh, they must know my daughter is so cute. And then you realize, like, they've never seen my daughter. They <laughs> literally, ha I'm on some mailing list somewhere as the parent of a four-year-old. Somebody sold our information and they know I have a four-year-old and they want me to pay to put my daughter in the beauty pageant. It has nothing to do with her beauty. Yeah. Well, so first of all, I just have to say that Carolina is a very, very cute, very, very mm -hmm. cute kid. So yeah. that's, that's thing one. But uh, all the other stuff, that's creepy. So It's crazy, right? Yeah. And I think that's what we'll pretty much get into talking about pageants is there's some, there's some problematic things. And I think that's what we really wind up finding out from Mary Jo and Julia. I mean, at least in... I want to talk about their perspective because it, tell me if you feel differently, but it sort of felt like they fell on one side of the issue and Suzanne and Charlene fell on the other. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, and, and Charlene really doesn't say much, but we kind of know she's, she's here for it. She's right? not anti. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because she's, you know, she nominated admitted, this girl. Yeah. Unknowingly, but she it did happened. some leg, leg work. Right. And uh, so I think we get some funny lines from Mary Jo and Julia that really I enjoyed a lot uh, to talk about. Their point, I think, is really to say that their problem with pageants is that they really exploit and degrade people. And that that's their stance on the situation. But we have Mary Jo saying stuff like, it's it's like some kind of breastathon at the Olympics. Does she have uh, a trigger with breasts? Because there was also a, a breast line in the, in episode one. I t I feel like I understand Mary Jo. I think she might be like like a, a soulful something for me, my spirit animal or something. Because let me tell you that I think that maybe when you don't, when you're not, <clears throat> when you're not chesty per se, uh, it that kind of thing might literally stand out to you so <laughs> i i think i don't know that it's i i wonder if they're they played her character up like that it's mm -hmm. i mean it's she was written that way right you know we, you obviously see that she's not going to tumble over from being top heavy right um you know not that any of that matters but i did notice that that is the second episode in a row where she said something specifically about breasts that said it's the second time in a row that I specifically picked up on it and laughed about it. And it's because uh, I'm part of a committee and I think you know which one it is. It's itty, it's bitty, and you know the rest. So I, there's that part that's kind of funny. Then we kind of have this other thing that comes up where they talk about, this fell apart for me a little bit, this difference for men. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't great. I don't think it, I don't think it that aged well. I, I understand where they're coming from. I mean, basically they said, why aren't Bob and Frank and Ted out there flexing their little tushies for opportunities? And, and I got that. And, and I think that's a valid point. What I didn't enjoy was the fact that they, Charlene says, well, what are you trying to say that 
men are smarter than women? And yeah. they were like, in this instance, in this maybe. Instance. And I was like, uh, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that because I think it's the society within which we're brought up. But uh, also- and maybe this is where I should have done my research was like Mr. Universe and Mr. <laughs> Fitness and all the things that Arnold Schwarzenegger was, were those not things that they had to have been things. Those are kind of beauty contests for men. I, I, I so I don't know what the time period is uh, are on those things, but obviously, especially with the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger mentioned. Yeah. I mean, that was happening before this episode. I think the difference is, is that men also got to be a lot of different things. Right. right. Women kind of got pigeonholed into only a few things, you know, maybe a handful of jobs, usually jobs where they weren't like necessarily the, the main person or the boss or, you know, so all of these types of things. And I think it's more for that reason, not that men haven't been judged on their looks over time, just not to the same degree. Right. Now this is just one person's opinion. So that doesn't make it right. <laughs> It's just that is sort of where I see it coming from. There was also a line about being spread eagle with a staple in the middle that really cracked me up. But I was wondering, like, would anybody really understand that? So if you are under the age of 35, there's this thing called a magazine <laughs> and it's bound Selena, together. If they're under the age of 35, they're not listening to us. Oh, right. They have better okay. things to do. Oh, right, right, right. Well, if it just accidentally happens, or maybe you're really old and you forgot what a magazine is the other way. So it's they're bound in the middle with staples. And I, you know, so basically the staple falls over the, the private area of an individual. And, uh, and I what they were doing was basically Julia and Mary Jo's point was that it's not that many degrees off from like a playboy situation. I think that gets really complicated. So I don't even necessarily want to wade into those waters, but that's how that comment got brought up in the first place. The only thing I want to add, I have a, I have a lot of thoughts on this episode, but I think they become more relevant as the episode goes on. The only thing I'll point out here, based on like how they're going on and on about how bad beauty pageants are, there are four women sitting in this room. Exactly one of them has been in a beauty pageant as far as we can tell. So they're talking about it as if it's this huge systemic thing that's holding women down. And it's literally one woman who's done this. And this one woman loves it. It was like the joy of her life. So I was just struggling a little bit. And I think this is where it always comes around on beauty pageants for me. It's not the only opportunity women are given. Is it problematic? Yes. I mean, I think there's something inherently problematic about judging people on the way they look. I think they've evolved over time. I think that they became a thing. Like the bikini contest is always a little bit dicey for me. That part's a little bit weird. Um, But they introduce things like miscongeniality. They introduce things like talents. And um, I think some women just really love to get dressed up and they love to play with makeup and they love to wear beautiful dresses. And I think for someone like Suzanne, that really tapped into something that she enjoyed doing. And we get into it a little bit later that maybe maybe there was a little bit of um, – she, she was missing something there. But it was something she loved doing. And I think it falls in that category of, man, like, if they love doing it, just let them do it. Don't criticize well, it, it. So and you're sort of breaking into the other part of the argument. So we've had the Mary Jo and Julia argument about it being degrading for women and, and exploitive. But Suzanne's argument – 
we learn here that she was crowned Miss Georgia World. Mm-hmm. It would have been 10 years earlier when that happened. And this it just this becomes somewhat of a runner over the course of the series. Mm-hmm. So this is something that has co- come back, that comes, that Suzanne comes back to over and over right. and over again. Uh, but, so, but her argument is that pageants provide opportunities and scholarships. And so that's kind of where the other piece of this debate that is set up in the first part of the episode starts for us. So, you know, I like to do a thing, like start my sentences with, so anyway, I wanted to talk to you and see if, did you wind up looking at all at pageants? I did. I easily got distracted by uh, the restaurant Nikki's Nipples situation. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm guessing you looked into it a little bit more than I did. Well, I don't have any theme music, so now I'm feeling like maybe I didn't try hard enough, but I went on a bit of a pageant expedition, if mm. you will. And I, the reason why, though, just so you know, is because actually I what struck me, even though I like, like I said, I like a pageant episode. I know it's going to be some stuff going down, um, but at the same time, I don't think about pageants on a daily basis. Right. I, I, yeah, the only time I even ever really think about them is those, you know, those times like where a given pageant sort of breaks its way into the news cycle. Oh, yeah. And and suddenly what we hear about is some 20-year-old woman and she's being raked over the coals because her answer on nuclear fission wasn't up to par. Are you referring to Caitlin? Uh, the blonde and the, yeah. Oh, well, like that narrows it down. That's it. I'm like, I can't even. Yeah. I, yeah, sure. I can't, I can't remember. I did actually look up. I think we're talking about the same video. I, I looked it oh, up again. It was, it was terrible. This was like maybe seven years ago or something Ooh, like that. I think it was older. I think it was like 2007. Okay. I maybe that's something we can share on social media so people know what we're talking about in case they don't. Although if you've seen it before, it's burned in your brain. But yeah, so it's these questions that aren't really fair necessarily. Uh, tell us about immigration policy. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and you have 25 seconds. So it just right. it doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I, I actually felt like I needed to go familiarize myself. I'm like, are peasants still like... Like, I know they're a thing, but I, I was wondering, had they declined in popularity, which sort of brought me around to this whole history of pageants. And let me Can put I it ask to you quickly. Please. Have you ever known a pageant queen? Have I ever known a, a pageant, like a national one? Well, I mean, just in, in any sort of hold any sort of title. E- yes. Uh, uh, well, one of my best friends was actually <laughs> crowned Miss Henry County back in the day big title uh yeah that's a big title yeah I knew Miss UGA and Uh she was very down to earth and very unassuming as a pageant person I don't know if pageant queen I've always called them pageant queen I don't know if that's the right term um so I just just was curious before you get into pageants I think people have a perception of what a, a pageant participant is and that just wasn't my experience yeah I've also had several friends when like calendar girls and stuff, which mm. I know are a little different, but they mm. are basically pageants with mm. like less, except you just don't have to do like an interview portion. Right. They literally just look at you. So, <laughs> um, 
yeah, I so I do I do I don't I don't think there's necessarily a misperception. Um, uh, but maybe I don't know. But that's a that's a fair question. Looking into the the history though, just so you know, <laughs> I ran across a PBS article and they were like, in the dawn of time, and I was like, fast forward, fast forward, and I was like, Nikki will kill me. Yeah, I was like, she'll kill me. I Although can't. Nikki just took up twenty five minutes on restaurants. On food, that makes sense. It's fine. Uh, I like to talk about food. You like to talk about food. If people don't like it, they're welcome to fast forward. It's America. Do what you need. But the one thing that sort of seemed to bubble up, like when I did kind of look through the history, I won't make y'all suffer through that. But was that basically no matter what time period you looked at, there was something that was controversial and there was something that was problematic. Mm. It's just that the controversy changed, the problematic part changed, but they were still there. Right. Okay. So interestingly enough, since we're sitting here in 2021, we are about to have the 100th anniversary of the Miss America pageant. Is that right? Yeah. So the first one was in 1921. Yeah, absolutely. It's a big thing. Well, I don't know. It's a big thing. I just said I'm not sure. Is this still a thing? But yeah, I mean, it's Miss a big America. Thing for I, someone. Well, I know Miss America is still going on. Oh. So, yeah. See, if you think about it, 1921, we're not really quite at peak Roaring Twenties. So, right. In and you think about being a little bit like, you know, it's okay, a little looser. It's not as oh, pinned up. You know, uh-huh. you think about flapper girls and lots of drinking and like everybody's having a good time. It's it's pre-depression era. Woo! So I, I think like... That's how I feel pre-depression. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're 1921, not roaring 20s. We're on the precipice, but you are just coming out of the Victorian area. So not the area. Well, it is the area. <laughs> the era. The area so, in time. Yeah. And I would just say a quick prima, if you're not familiar with the Victorian era, think Downton Abbey. If you're not familiar with Downton Abbey, think they're not really into bathing suits. (laughs) (laughs) So there's not a lot of cleavage going on. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So it's because this is the first year when this happens and because some people are still coming off their Victorian high, you've got a lot of protesters that are coming out. Mm -hmm. Because they're appalled by women putting themselves on display. Not because they care about the women, but because you're not (laughs) supposed to put them on display. Right. So the people who run the pageant, they start making like marketing moves to really emphasize things that will put this, this issue, this fear at ease. And it's basically, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play up their youth and their wholesomeness and we're going to sell this idea of virtue and innocence. Uh, but, you know, what this article I was reading talks about, that's a hard thing to do in 1921 while parading women around in bathing suits. Sure. So, although a 1920s bathing suit is <laughs> <laughs> like something I would wear to my mailbox without question. It's what I wish I could get away with wearing at the beach. Look how sexy her ankles are. <laughs> so... And then actually, I have a a did you know, this blew my mind. Okay, none of the contestants wore makeup. Ah, is that right? Yeah, because that was considered 
uh, modern. They can't see, but I have quotation marks going on. <laughs> They're all over the place. And the reason is because I think modern might be code for loose. <laughs> so, it's not me. Before the pandemic, I wore makeup. I'm just saying I think that's what was going on at the time. Okay. So that's then. Let's speed it up to the 80s because I know that you don't want to hang out in pageant history forever. By the 80s and kind of looping it back to designing women, the world has changed substantially. And I think that's uh, kind of seen here in the arguments that are on display over the right. course of the episodes. Because in the beginning, we were at like a moral-centric kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Now this seems to be like it's moved to a person-centric kind of thing. You know, what's fair to these participants as human beings? What do these contests say about the broader culture? And how do they affect young women who watch this play out in front of them? And that being what they see as modeled as like, this is what you want to be. But knowing that for most of us, myself included, that's probably not a realistic body type, a realistic face type, you know, Mm -hmm. like all of those things. And so that seems to be the shift in the conversation at the time. And so I, I do think there was, there's some controversy controversy and there is there's something that's a little problematic about that mm-hmm. in more modern times i think the conversation today would be about the lack of diversity and inclusivity right so i start but i started looking around a little bit for you know news of the day cuz i didn't want to only focus on the greek times and and what I wound up finding out is that there was actually, uh, and this is cool, there was a Seattle teen who recently became the first Miss, Miss Washington Teen USA contestant with Down syndrome. And then just this year, a trans woman won a, a local beauty pageant in Nevada. Okay. So, yeah, so I mean, it, it is like where you're seeing that not everyone looks like Barbie and Skipper. Mm-hmm. Because if you look around the U.S., not everybody looks like Barbie and Skipper. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really important that we're seeing that happen. And I think it does show that even something that might be considered by some to be archaic is getting pulled along by the culture. Mm-hmm. So full disclosure, I said earlier, I have friends who won pageants. I've been in two. <gasps> I knew that would surprise you. <laughs> Oh, I had no idea. I was in two calendar girls, uh, one in eighth grade and one when I was a senior in high school. If you know me, that sounds about like me have been being a cheerleader in high school. Not that anything is wrong with either one of those things. It just doesn't match anything else about the stereotype of me. So, well, okay, so I don't know what a calendar girl is. In my mind, it's the like Hooters calendar you buy. Oh, well, didn't this all sound very risque? Um, <laughs> I was thinking, what, so what were you doing in eighth grade? Right, right. That seems, that seems young for that. I presume no, you have photographic evidence. School. Well, somewhere. Well, uh, she'll be digging it up for the show notes. Okay, I'm sure it's on, I keep talking about my grandma a lot. I'm pretty sure it's on her photo wall. Aww. So, uh, yeah, well, a calendar girl 
the one that I participated in are the two. They're basically where it's for school and they turn around and whoever wins the 12 calendar months is put in a calendar and then those are sold. It's like a booster club thing. Okay. Okay. So it's not yeah. far removed from the Hooters calendar. It's just a school friend. I mean, I think it is pretty far removed from the Hooters calendar because well, our, our Hooters though. were up. It's the, same, <laughs> what? it's the same concept though. It's pictures yes. that you take to sell a calendar. Yes. But just no shorty shorts and... And presumably and, they took your picture because they thought you would sell calendars for them. Well, not me because I lost. Oh. Yeah, I didn't win. My friends won. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Oh. I felt like I should have said more there, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I know to say is yes. Uh-huh. Yes, it was. So, but yeah, you, you sort of were competing for these 12 slots. Okay. Yeah. And is it like so, a pageant? Well, yeah, because you go out there, you do the twirl. They're like talking over you like, uh, Selena is in eighth grade and she doesn't know what she wants to be when she gets older, but she is in eighth grade and she likes English and, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing like over you and you do your little twirls at the three stops and then uh, someone yells your nickname really loudly out in the audience and you turn bright red and you sort of shuffle off stage. Oh my gosh. I, I've never heard of this, first of all. Second of all, that sounds terrifying to me. Yeah. Well, and I only did it because I wanted to wear a pretty dress. I wanted to hang out with my friends. And so I just, I thought that was a really important disclosure because I don't want to walk away with the idea that I'm poo-pooing on pageants because I'm not, I'm just saying, these are the first things I looked up. These are the first things I found. And I feel like it's my job to report what I'm finding on my deep dive. I appreciate your commitment to good journalism. Uh, Thank you. Or someone's. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, PBS. So the only other thing I really want to say, because I know we need to move on, is that I also uh, was reminded of an older episode of Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Do you ever watch Last Week Tonight with John Oliver? I do sometimes. The last one I watched depressed me, so I stopped watching it. So, well, you know, but he does have a way of making even the depressing things Not pretty funny. Warming. Oh, yeah, that's a tough one to make happy. Mm-hmm. But he is probably, I'm just saying, like, just in case, like, this ever reaches you, John. I know that not famous people always say, I really think we could be friends. And everybody goes, oh, that's really weird. But in my case, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> You're the different one. You're the not one. I'm, I'm different. And I'm just saying, I, I think we, I am different. <laughs> I think that we could be friends and I really, really enjoy your show and it makes me so happy. So I'm going to start there. And I'm just saying his research team, cause, because I'm assuming he doesn't do all that by himself. Um, they looked into pageants and specifically Miss America. So I thought this was a nice bow tie on what we've already been talking about uh, with Miss America. And so what they wound up looking at specifically was the fact that I don't know if you know this or not, because I didn't I didn't remember. I saw this episode years ago, but I didn't remember. Miss America claims that they're the world's largest scholarship provider for women in the world. Did you know that? I did not know that. Okay, so it is true. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So just go ahead and start there. However, here's where it starts to fall apart a little bit no offense miss america i'm just reporting nice things yes i'm just reporting what someone else already reported (laughs) like any good journalist (laughs) um 
So when they start digging into the 45 million that Miss America says they provide each year and provide apparently is a very important word, they wind up finding out that they provide way less than that 45 million. Like that's more like what they can provide. Uh, they're very thorough over there at the at last week tonight. And so they wound up getting uh, taxes from 33 different states. That's all they could get a hold of. And even when they added all of those different opportunities together, only 4 million actually went out the door oh, in a given no. year out of the 45 million. So th- there's that to consider. So I just think that's probably a little bit of a, I, I know that this is not the only pageant, but to Suzanne's argument, that's where maybe some of that argument falls apart. Mm-hmm. And and the most egregious thing to me, actually, other than this, because oh, whatever, I mean, you know, they are still the largest scholarship providing, you know, these opportunities to women in the world. I, I think there's obviously something sad in there about yeah. that in itself. But if we can skip past that, egregiously, the qualifications are. You must certify you've never been married and that you're not now, nor ever have you been pregnant. That's weird. That's weird. It's tied to that, like, virginal sort of... Yeah, and it's all from 1921. I mean, I'm just guessing. It's a holdover. Don't worry. These are good girls. Yeah, that's weird. That got weird. Right. So all that to say, ah, problematic controversy but let me let's end it on something positive before we exit the old pageant probe (laughs) (laughs) i knew you'd hate that word so i'm still i still gotta figure out a name other people couldn't see your visual and it was just like a (laughs) i don't know the the visual and the pageant probe was just it was like a birthing invasive to me (laughs) It, which is the opposite of a probing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but to end it on a positive note, I just wanted to say that there are two movies that are about pageants that are up there probably in my top 10. Ah, 10's a little high. 20. But I really do love them, and I have actually seen both of them about 50 million times. And one of them is Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Ugh, there's no Mrs. There's we no just Mrs. covered that. No. That's not allowed. It's Miss Congeniality Definitely. with Sandra Bullock, Michael Caine, Benjamin Bratt. It's an amazing, it's an amazingly funny movie. It do, it hits all the things that I love in a good comedy. And um, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah, with I Abigail Breslin. A long time. I, you know, it's been so long that I forgot Steve Carell is in that movie. Oh yeah. And he plays such a what vastly different role than who he is in the office. Yeah. Um, but that movie is like a, a little bit of a heartbreaker. Oh, for sure. But most, but it very funny too. Yeah. And, and I just think it just, it does all the right things. And so, and, and Tony Collette is also in that movie. And so I just, I wanted to end it on a positive note and say that like, I feel like those are two uh, pieces of entertainment that like do a nice job where you walk away with a good feeling about pageants, but I think they also speak to a lot of the kind of the weirdnesses mm-hmm. about pageants as well. Okay. So, yeah. So, happy note. So then when we dive back into the episode, we find ourselves at Mary Jo's house. 
right? Where she's yep. having a conversation with her daughter, Claudia, who is pleading with her to let her be into the, in this pageant. Um, and they're in uh, Mary Jo's bathroom, dressing room kind of situation. Um, I want to acknowledge that um, Claudia calls it preteen Atlanta. I don't know if you noticed that. It always makes me laugh when people call it Atlanta. They'll say like Atlanta, not Atlanta. Do you hear oh, the difference? I, I do. So you're a I native do. Atlantan and that doesn't bother you. I, I didn't even notice it all it at all, but I feel like I also hear people say that people from Atlanta don't necessarily pronounce that second T. Yeah. I don't know. I, I've, I'm always extra, but I'm always ex extra about pronouncing things because I'm paranoid about being Claudia who calls it Atlanta. Yeah. But I wasn't I wasn't totally sure what to do with that, but it made it into my notes, so I felt like I wanted to note that for you. I wanted to see what your reaction was to that. Um, no, I'm glad you said something. I I, I don't I it, what it's funny that you said that cuz last night I was no reason watching a pronunciation video and <laughs> I went down this whole thing. Like apparently there's like this whole group of words and they're trying to capture dialects. And so people from different states say like this it's all the same list of words like everything from like capturing people saying the difference between like root and route That's I can't cool. theater ver versus theater, theater like all yeah and and so I, I went down this whole thing and they and that's why I w it caught me off guard because one of the things that they pointed out was like people from Atlanta don't really say like Atlanta they say Atlanta Atlanta yeah yeah I'm guilty of saying that. I don't say Atlanta, which is what yeah, she said. That, so that's just different. Yeah. I don't I don't know I've ever I I didn't notice her do it and if people are doing it, I think that's something that's just like mm. gone over me. But I'm gonna pay attention now. Now you will. So that one yeah. caught me. But there's just this um so Mary Jo's sitting there sort of getting her doing her nighttime routine. Uh yeah. and telling It's a weird her, routine, by the way. There was tissue involved with moisturizer? Well, I mean, it was just like you could. T she's acting, okay, but I, I just don't. The whole, the whole like, like she's like smearing stuff on her face, and then she goes and she like picks up some random jar and like, she like you would. I get that people tissue off like their makeup. Like I don't do it that way, but I know some people do. Like they'll put like a cold cream on oh, and sure. then take it off. Okay, but then while the cold cream is still clearly all over her face. She's grabbed something that's supposed to be like an under eye thing, and she's just smearing it on top of the other thing. And I'm like, what are you doing? It's all out of order. Yeah. I'm like, you, fix it. Fix it. But I mean, that, that that's here nor there. I don't <laughs> think that was the point of the scene. But so. I don't know. We both caught on to it because all I could imagine was little bits of tissue paper sticking <laughs> to her moisturizer. <laughs> I was just like, that just seems gross. Anyway, so much irony around her doing this very like elaborate bedtime routine, beauty routine, right. and then telling her daughter how degrading pageants are, how unimportant it is that a person <laughs> looks. Uh, but fortunately, it seemed like the show came to the same conclusion at the same time I did. As usual, yeah. I'm not that creative. But I was just watching it thinking like, oh my gosh, how crazy. She's doing this whole thing telling her daughter it's not important. Yeah, well, I, I, I think I like that too because it. I think – to me, it's like the writers are self-aware. Yeah. It's like the whole conversation that I think we're having here is that it's complicated. Yeah. Right. And it's layered. 
Yeah, and I think that they're, and I think that's what I'm appreciating so far about the episode is that they're capturing a lot of those different things that are at play. Yeah. And this scene is is small. There's not a lot to it, but there is a lot to it. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. Uh, and and the only other thing I have to say, and I don't know if you have anything else to say about this uh, particular scene, so uh, I want to give you that opportunity. But uh, is it weird that they were like a, in they were like matching nightgowns? Is that a thing? <laughs> so coming off of your thing about the Victorian era. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching this episode thinking like, what's happening with that nightgown? Well, I've got a note here that says, what's up with these pioneer nightgowns? <laughs> it reminded and- me, you won't get this reference, but other people might. Dorothy Spornak on um, Golden Girls. It's it's very a Dorothy nightgown, like high-necked, maybe a little smocked right here, very long. That's what it made me, like a house coat almost. Funny. Well, and it's also kind of Laura Ashley, though. Yes. Which is of the time. Yeah. But, but I don't... Like, she's 15 and she's matching gowns with her mom. I just don't buy it. Whatever. It's fine. Uh, but I don't know. It just, it They're just, acting, it Selena. Me. Oh, that's right. They're acting. You needed you to put, know they were getting ready for bed. It had to be extra. Right. You put your eye serum over your Pond's cream. You put on your Pioneer <laughs> nightgown. You poo-poo on pageants and you call it a night. Call it a night. So ultimately, Mary Jo agrees to let her do the pageant as long as Claudia knows these do not represent their values, whatever that means in their family. Yes. So they go from there to the pageant finalist announcement scene. Um, So the current Miss Georgia world, Marjorie Lee Winnick, I don't know if I got that right at all, but she's announcing um, the finalists. And I will say, haha, at the double name. I feel like that's a thing that people think is really Southern. Uh, so you have Mary Jo, you have Marjorie Lee. Uh, Selena, I'm curious, how many double names have you known in your life? Well, I think that's a really good question of which I don't know the answer. Do you but think, I it's a think lot? it's I think it's very small, actually. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I, and I, it's, it's so funny. I like that we're picking up on the same things. I, so I, I don't know if you got any of the names down, but there was a, a Mary Lynn, a Joy Ann, a Jennifer Lynn, a Nancy J. Oh my gosh. I caught onto Marjorie. What was it? Marjorie Lee. But I missed, I missed that all the little girls had them. Yeah. The, the every, and I think that's where I was like, okay, not, not extra. everyone is going to. Yeah, it, we get it. We're in the South, but you right. know, it, that's not exactly what that means. So I have to tell you that as soon as that all happened, I was like, okay, somewhere there has to be a Southern name gener- generator. Oh, Lord. And so I actually dropped one into the chat. And oh, Lord. your assignment, if you so choose to take it, and I'll remind you of it, <laughs> is <laughs> to look up your own Southern name. I went ahead and did mine like a... a a while ago and it's um are you ready for it because it's a doozy oh good it's chelsea dane susanna eddington good grief yeah it's a lot going on and the reason i so just so you know i started to send it to you like when i first found it and i i am sharing it with you i think it's just older and it doesn't look secure like i think it's like one of those things that they made like 
probably 12 years ago <laughs> before every link had HTTPS at the front. <laughs> so Are they going to ask for my H credit card information? If they do, run. <laughs> <laughs> now, let if me they just want enter it, it in real quick. Yeah, so I'm just giving you that heads up because I, I took the chance. I did it for my iPhone because I feel like those are more secure. <laughs> I oh. don't even know if that's true. Oh. I just felt like it'd be okay. Right. Because I kind of want to share it on social media, but I feel like it also needs to come with the full disclosure that I can't promise that you won't be hacked. <laughs> so. Well, I was trying to take it real quick while you're talking without boring everybody. Uh, and so far, I, I don't seem to be hacked. The, oh, that's good news. And that's what I'm saying. I think it's just really, really old. Now, that doesn't mean that someone hasn't attached a Trojan virus to it. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not, that's, that's not really my area of expertise. So, but while you're taking it, I'll just say that the other thing that I thought during this finalist scene, besides thank you for all of those two named Southern names for women was meow, Mary Jo. Holy uh, moly. I have a lot of opinions here. Holy yeah. moly. You want it's to know a big hill turn. I do. Eunice Dane <laughs> Clementine Eddington. So we're related. We are. Yeah, because I'm also Dane and Eddington. So we're second, 14th cousins. <laughs> I wonder if that means that we just picked a lot of the same things. Because you... For those who can't see what we're doing, you have to answer like a lot kind of, of an obnoxious amount of questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you get here's the 14 four. questions. Right. You get through the first four and you're like, okay, this is fun. And then you get to number five and you're like, this feels like a question too far. Yeah. It, it didn't need that much. But so, yeah, we must have answered some of the same things. And that's why we're both from the Eddington family. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, there Mary, you go. Mary Jo. I was super disappointed. So I didn't say earlier when they were talking about the pageant and she was saying she didn't want Claudia in it. She also called a woman anemic, uh, which was really kind of eye-rolly to me because she's going on and on. Mary Jo just seems like a very ironic character in this episode because she's going on and on about how terrible it is to judge people based on their looks. And then she talks about this anemic woman. Then she goes into, she commented on an 11-year-old's hips. Like, I feel like that's sacred ground, No. Yeah, it it wasn't it wasn't very nice. And I don't know if I don't know if this is the show's commentary on like we're there's the things that we're aware of. And those are kind of like the things that she said earlier in the episode. And then there's those things that are underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. So I could look at like it's so ingrained in us at, like to judge others, especially I, I mean, I really I'm. I don't want to say this and it come out the wrong way, but I do think there's sort of this sense that like women are sort of taught to judge other women. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it always happens. I'm just saying like, even if you watch a TV show or something, it's kind of set up for you. Oh, I don't know, like this TV show. Mm -hmm. So if it's modeled for you and modeled for you over and over and over again, I think it just sort of starts to sink into your psyche. So I think there's that side of it. I think there's also that side of it, which on my first watch, because I'd watched this one a few times, there was a lot to unpack. There's also that side of it that's like, and as a non-parent, tell me if I'm wrong, but it feels like you might get into the situation where 
you would do any, like, you just want your kid to win. Oh, you want your kid to have the things you're going to be behind your kid a thousand percent. She's so while I didn't agree with the things that she was saying, it did feel like a parent move. Oh yeah. It was definitely a mama bear thing. Uh, It was definitely a mama bear thing. I think the comments. So first of all, let me say I am an like obsessive subscriber to the classic. Like if you have nothing nice to say, come sit by me. Like I I do. I'm very like, I, I just love to comment on things. I, I think you comment on the things you see. Some people that's not where I ex- That's not where I expected that to go. Oh, <laughs> I no. thought you were going to say, say nothing at all. <laughs> all right. No. <laughs> I Some people call it judgy. I call it observational. So that's how I feel in life. However, I do. I think you do. And I'm super competitive, like obnoxiously competitive. And like I, my children are too young to do sports um, and to do pageants and things like that. But I'm like, I've seen my nieces play, you know, I've seen my nieces play soccer. Like I almost took my daughter out in a very aggressive game of uh, foosball at the beach one year. So I'm overly aggressive. I know that. And I will be when my kids are playing, like I'm going to yell for them. I'm going to be way into it. So I'm very much a Mary Jo in that category. I just felt like my observations of an 11 year old might not have had to do with the shape of her body or the way her gums show. I might've commented on the fact that, I don't know, there was a little girl that was sponsored by a tanning salon, which felt very problematic to me. Oh, right. Um, so I might have been like, really? Tanning salon? Like, you know, I don't know. I just would like to believe that I would have chosen kinder judgments to make. Not in 86, Nikki. In 86, you would have been like, that's my tanning that's salon. That's Good point. Also in 86, you had a very thick Southern accent. Right. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just something to bear in mind about 80s Nikki. <laughs> well, I think that's all. that's all really like. It just goes to show it's we're getting these small snippets, but there's a lot happening and there's a lot to kind of take in. And it's really also, I think, just to take a step back in a for a second episode of a show, they're really starting to kind of paint in the lines of who these characters are yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. So after they I after do you have anything more to say about the finalist announcements? No, I don't think so. Okay. So after that, they go back to the sugar baker residence, place of business, home, uh, and they're just preparing Claudia for the pageant. And I think they start, uh, there's a lot of coaching going on. There's the debate over, should it be fun? Should she be taking it really seriously? I think Delta Burke really hit her stride in this, like, it was just really cute watching her do the, like, throwing her head back. Like, it was obviously a pageant move that she had practiced before, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. Um, and She's so graceful. She really was. And she yeah. really was loving this moment. Uh, but I think they also start laying the seeds for maybe it's not resonating with Claudia quite the way that um, it did with Suzanne. It wasn't the same experience for her that it was for Suzanne. Oh, that's so interesting that you said that. And I, I didn't see that on... It doesn't matter how many times I watched it. Uh, I didn't see that on any of my watches, but you're so right. And one of the things that gets brought up is like whether or not, like, it's not even a question. It's like, get in these high hills. Right, right. And and she was in, but I need to stop there and make it about myself for a second. I apologize. She says, Suzanne does, short, short people, people never win pageants. So you all don't know this, y'all, don't know this because you cannot see me. 
but I am barely five foot two. And while she's probably right, I didn't appreciate that. I took offense to it. I was afraid that would be a trigger for you. (laughs) It was a little bit of a trigger. I mean, it's not wrong, but also it is wrong. And here's why. Bringing it back to Miss America, 1921. Welcome, Miss Margaret Gorman. She was the winner and five foot one. Well, one woman, the history of a beauty pageant. You're really but the first, there. well, and people are, well, I didn't look at all the height. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, just, it, just that was just came up in my search and I was like, oh, oh here's this but one. 60 years later, have beauty standards changed? Not to say short isn't beautiful. I think people's bodies have changed. I don't sure. think a lot of people are, I think that was probably average height for a woman in 1921 and not on the slightly shorter side like it is for me today. So I think that's probably a lot of what it is. Not that, I mean, I know that people think that, you know, tall kind of falls into that category of like the beauty standard. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Mm. I just needed, I just needed you to know there's been one five foot one person. Good for you. (laughs) And I need Suzanne to know it too. Yeah, Suzanne didn't know it. Yeah, I yeah. felt bad for Claudia. She's like, I don't even wear flat. I don't even wear high heels yet. She just wanted to wear her cute little flats. She's yeah, like uh, like people today. <laughs> don't put us in those heels, please. Good lord, no way. You also get a nice little southern line. I know that we've talked a little bit about how, you know, these southern turns of phrase. Right. And I thought just a touch of come hither. Oh, yeah. Was, I, I thought that. that was a really good one. So I wanted to point that out for you. The, so I thought that Julia had some really pointed lines as she was sort of walking around. I think to your point, I think Julia, I think Claudia is kind of seeing herself more in a in a Julia. Um, and I think the things that Julia is saying are resonating with her. Uh, I, I can't, I, maybe it was Charlene that said, don't forget to smile. They take points off for that. I have a note here that says, ain't that the truth? <laughs> and that's all. Because as women, I think we've all been told on the street, you'd be so much prettier if you just smile. There's some version of that, man. Right. Why, I had a guy one time, like, you must have had a bad day. Like, totally unprompted in the grocery store. You must have had a bad day. And I was like, why? Do we know each other? And he was like, you just look so sad. And I was like, I'm just living my life, man. Right. With my God-given face. It's just, it's just my face. It's just and, me. And it, it, you should have been like, uh, yeah, I am having a horrible day. This guy that I don't know <laughs> decided to start, start talking to me and telling me things that he doesn't know about me. And that just really ruined my day. So I there's I that. that quick. I never am. It's the thing that I think about in the car ride home. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, got it. <laughs> so, you know, I would have never been that fast. All right, so the moment has come, and here we are at Miss Preteen Atlanta. Miss Preteen Atlanta. It, 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 Atlanta. 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 That place where we live, (laughs) kind of, outside of the perimeter. The place we live 30 miles away. (laughs) Yeah, don't, shh, don't tell anyone. (laughs) So we are uh, with Suzanne and Julia in, in the back of, like, wherever they're hosting this pageant looks like some kind it looks like some kind of hotel in like 
jersey or something. It didn't oh, even look like anything in Atlanta. Yeah, I was like, what is like this, on the boardwalk? Big um, pond with a fountain in the front. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, where's this? But yeah. that's, we'll Agreed. let that go. I'm glad you caught on to that. I meant to put that in my notes, and I don't think I ever did. But I was watching it thinking like, is this what everybody thinks? Because, you know, like Miss, I don't know. Does Miss America happen in New Jersey? For some reason, I feel like it does. It always does. Uh, uh, you know, the uh, I can't believe I'm doing this right now. You know, the place with like the saltwater taffy right there on the the board the boardwalk that I'm dancing around it. I know what you're doing. It's like not Vegas. And this is this is when we prove we're from the south. <laughs> Atlantic City. Thank Atlantic you. City. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I just Al- wonder, Atlantic City. <laughs> Atlantic City. I just wonder if everyone assumes if a, if a beauty pageant is happening, it's happening in Atlantic City. But I got to tell you, I don't think most beauty pageants for Miss Preteen Atlanta are happening at a place like that. Right. So, you know, though, I, all Miss uh, America pageants have always taken place in Atlantic City. Sorry, I couldn't think of the name for a second. That's just called it being the end of a, a long day. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's nothing against you, Atlantic City. Um, and I think that's sort of the tradition of it, that they always keep it there. Okay. But I agree. Like, it, should, it shouldn't have looked like that kind of look for us. But I think they were thinking, like, nondescript Marriott, cool. But, sure. again, it, it sort of comes back to that thing, like, are they at the point where they just don't have the budget to go get, like, oh, some yeah. B-roll? Good point. I don't know. I just don't know what's going on there. But so Suzanne, Julia, Claudia, they're all in the back. They're, you know, doing the thing, getting ready. And I was just going to say, this is, if we're 80s things, that color that Suzanne is wearing, that peachy color. Oh. So 80s. Beautiful on her. But for my mother, who never knew how to get rid of a thing, literally that was the color of her prom dress. Oh. So, uh, it as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's of that time period." Right. Uh, at that same time, we get Miss Georgia World again, Marjorie Lee, and so we get that kind of awkward conversation between her yeah. and Suzanne. Yeah. Again, we mentioned that Suzanne was Miss Georgia World, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like, I, not the changing of the guard, but you, I, you know they get this exchange where basically Marjorie Lee says, yeah, I remember you because you twirl batons and nobody does that anymore. What a hoot. And yeah. That was sad. Well, you could just, I think just sort of building on this episode, we're talking about Mary Jo not really acting like herself. They're saying like these kind of catty things. Well, we don't really know Mary Jo yet, but presumably the woman who's like, I don't want to degrade right. women would not turn around and degrade women herself. And, and so I think it's sort of just building out the storyline of uh, like where you have these other women who are for no reason pitting themselves against other yeah. women. Yeah. Like it's not only well, are we having a pad. Yeah. It's like, not only are we having a pageant contest, but why don't we have a, like a, a pit each other women against women contest like right. outside of each other yeah that'd be so much fun so it was just kind of a nasty comment uh, meanwhile it shoots back to charlene and mary joe they're out in the auditorium uh making hot dogs i, I don't know what was happening yeah but, but there was like fancy bowls with was- the condiments 
Oh, I, I thought they were selling tickets to something. And, you know, I honestly really didn't think about it that much other than to be like, why are they selling tickets? What's happening? I was very confused. Well, I did also like hot dogs at a, I mean, I don't even, I, not that I'm like, what's, I think the appropriate pageant food is actually no food yeah. uh, <laughs> or like popcorn or something. Oh, I didn't mean like that. It just seems like it's short enough that you don't necessarily need like a hot dog. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. like maybe like popcorn. I'm thinking like if you're like Spectator at the Fox. Sure. Yeah. It just, it just seems so weird. Like, uh, Ooh, this pageant's 30 minutes. <laughs> I need a brat. Up. Yeah. Ooh, I really need some Wendy's. Yeah. I've I don't never know. Been, I don't know. I've never been to a pageant, so I don't even know. I mean, maybe they're really long. I, like I said, I, I art. what I had done was a calendar girl. It's a little different. I don't, I don't like to go anywhere without refreshments. So like heavy, well, heavy, refreshments. heavy. So, <laughs> you have a meatloaf back there. Yeah. It's a 30 minute children's talent show. I'd really like a shepherd's pie. I thought there was going to be dinner here. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, so I'm wrong. It just felt like I don't, I was like hot dogs, but I mean, I would eat a hot dog right now. So I'm not hating on it. I just thought it was a little strange, you know, but it feels like we're getting this sort of Southern stereotype or trope of the woman, the mom who comes up, the pageant mom. Uh And I'm not saying that little Miss Tanning Bed's sister and mom is who I that's who it was. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. So I because I couldn't pick up on the name that they were saying. And I was like, and I kept watching it. And I still couldn't. Sometimes like I, I don't know, it's like the accent they're trying to do makes it hard for me to actually hear what they're trying to say. But it felt like in having this other kind of uh, pageant thing come up again, which is like the pageant mom, we're just being introduced to this whole other world uh, that's a part of this. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know what exactly what they were trying to accomplish. So I think I was trying to figure out what they were trying to accomplish. Do you want me to tell you what I think they were trying to accomplish? Please. I think they were trying to introduce the writer's daughter into a role. Did you notice in the credits, Stacy Nicole Bloodworth? Oh no! I'm so I'm reasonably co- I'm, no, I'm like a hundred percent confident that was their daughter. So when I was watching the credits, I saw the name and I was like, "Who is that?" And I had to rewind and what I don't know, whatever you do on a Hulu, uh, I had to go back and <laughs> notice that it was that little girl's name. And looked it up later, and yeah, they gave her a role. So I think they were trying to set her up with a role. That is so funny. So here I am trying to, like, figure out. Yeah, what what is the deeper meaning of this hot dog scene? (laughs) And it's really just that this is their daughter. Okay. Well, I think they wanted to introduce her. I do think they wanted to set the scene a little bit for that, like, concept of a pageant family. And I do, I have to say, I don't think... It's not fair to say that this is like a weird little world because I think every sport or every activity has this world of people who are like making their lives about it. So like, uh, you know, soccer, if you get really into soccer, the whole concept of a travel team or travel baseball, it becomes a lifestyle in and of its own. So I think they wanted to set the stage a little bit for that. uh, But I really do think it was a mechanism for getting their daughter on the show. Okay. Well, that, 
All right. Well, I, good catch. Really good catch because I definitely did not catch that at all. Uh, the it's I was thinking though it put me in the mind of not that this girl looked at all like Honey Boo Boo, but I started thinking about this because I was wondering why am I thinking that this whole pageant mom is a Southern thing because it's not necessarily like pageants take place all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. and but I think it is because of things like the Honey Boo Boo spinoff from Toddlers and Tiaras or like. That Dumplin' movie with Jennifer Aniston on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, and they're just, like, clearly putting them in the heart of the South. Sometimes I don't know more recently if that's because Atlanta has become, like, the Hollywood of the South, too. So they're already on location. But it just... I can't figure that. I can't figure that out because it's interesting to me that Miss America is in... Atlantic City like it's Uh this very um it's not this very southern thing but somehow I think pageants have been kind of framed as this very southern thing I don't know right so it just is is a show where we're trying to like figure out southern portrayals and what's working and what's not one thing that I am noticing in myself is that I fall prey to the like to the stereotypes too Mm. you know and so I'm having to figure out, like, what has been told to me versus what I know. Right. And so I just think that I don't know if you're feeling any of that, uh, but that has been something that I've really had to, like, I mean, I know we're having fun. This is light, but it's just sort of, like, making me realize something about myself. I'm like, oh, I, I've been taught this. Yeah. By TV. Right. That's what's so... <laughs> Not so- even by life. I'm a 35-year-old woman who's lived almost exclusively in the South. I have very deeply Southern family, and I've never been in a pageant. My sister was in one. I think just one. She was like 16 months old, and there's probably a discussion to be had there with my mom about why. Like, wh- why did that become a thing? Um, but I don't I don't know. Pageants were never a thing for me. I do know a couple I mentioned earlier. I do know a couple of pageant participants I keep calling them the wrong thing people who participate in pageants or I did know them um and that's the extent of what I know about pageants I don't for whatever reason it's become this deeply southern experience and I just don't know that it necessarily is yeah it's just interesting that that's coming up as as we're going through this episode so we get after the hot dog scene where we meet the, That's your, you're deeply concerned about those hot dogs. Yes. Well, I'm hungry now. <laughs> um, where we get to meet, I guess, the showrunner's kid. She's cute. Uh, we go backstage again, and we're we're at a serious time now. Yeah. Uh, we're returning to this plot line about Suzanne turning 30, and her and Julia are talking, and she she's very sad. She says that she feels like an aging beauty queen. You know, this is what she was born for, but like all that time is over now. And she just really is starting to fall apart a little bit. And you can tell she gets, she's getting uncomfortable with the fact that she's like crying and she runs out of the room. Mm-hmm. That was so And sad. it was very sad. And, uh, although I went, I'm like, please don't cue the serious music. Yeah. <laughs> Like it actually, it cheapens the moment again. But that's you need to know you're supposed to be sad. Thing. Somebody has to right. tell you. Well, now we need to know people. We need people to know 
uh, what to do in a kitchen, which is why there, we have things that say like spoon on it and put it on our wall, or this is the kitchen, or we eat and pray here, or whatever. So I, what happens then? Same thing, different tune today. So whatever, that's fine. Let us know. Let us know when we need to be sad. And so we knew the current Miss Georgia world, again, Marjorie Lee, or whatever her name is, she comes in with another woman, and it's also Julia in there, and she's she's talking a lot of smack about She Suzanne. does not know Julia's there. She doesn't well, see her. I don't know if it's that she doesn't see her. I think it's that she doesn't know that she's Doesn't know the connection. Oh, good point. I don't I, think she cares that she's coming off like a real b-hole. I assumed she didn't know anybody was in the room because why else would you talk smack like that? Well, and Good to be point. fair, maybe she didn't care. Either she didn't care or she's, uh, I think the picture they're painting of this person is that it could be the kind of person that didn't realize someone was there because they're a little self-involved yeah. maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely who they want this person to be. But, you know, she's talking about, you know, Suzanne, the one with the big hair. Also, big hair? Seriously? Did you see her hair? In the 80s. In the 80s. Really? Yeah, That's crazy. just funny to me. I know. I was like, really? That's the thing? Um, and but... then I found myself getting catty. I'll just throw out. I'm sitting here judging Mary Jo <laughs> for being catty. But this is a full-grown woman who's being really ugly, so I feel like I can be. The other thing that struck me about all of this is that Suzanne is supposed to be 10 years older than her essentially. They're 10 years yeah. separated in their titles. Uh-uh. They were the same age. That woman was not a day under 30 if I was surprised Suzanne was 30. I really wish I had looked up her age. I do have some surprising information to tell you about that woman, but I did not look up when she was born. I actually think she may be a little bit younger than Suzanne, mm -mm. but not 10 years. I think if anything, maybe five. But um, so... In addition to making fun of her hair, they also made this comment about, like, I guess Suzanne came in and did a lecture, maybe in the lead up oh, to Miss yeah. Georgia World. And they said it was something about two hours on manners, cuss words, and how not to cross your legs. <laughs> so I don't know. That just made me laugh. But I wanted to say that sometimes I just get curious about who these characters are. I, I She looked a little familiar to me, but she's been on a bunch of different like random shows but what was really the most interesting so her name's Pamela Bowen and she was married to Paul Stanley the lead singer and guitarist of Kiss from 1992 to 2001 wow yeah and she I'm, I don't know if she knows the showrunners or not but she actually was a guest she had a guest appearance on another show that uh Linda Bloodworth Thomason did called Hearts of Fire mm. that she did after Designing Women. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting. So that's my little hmm. sad note. Deep dive Selena into sad person. Selena yeah, sad Right, <laughs> right. Uh, this is where it gets really interesting, though. Yeah, man. Yeah. So Julia, she makes herself known. It doesn't matter if this woman knew she was there or not. She's about to know. Epic. Epic. I think this is why it was listed as essential watching this yes. piece right here. Yes. So two episodes up, two episodes down, two epic Julia takedowns. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that like, can we just go ahead and play what's known as that's the night's 
that's the night the lights went out in Georgia speech. We can. Excuse me. Aren't you Marjorie Lee Winnick, the current Miss Georgia World? Why, yes, I am. I'm Julia Sugarbaker, Suzanne Sugarbaker's sister. I couldn't help overhearing part of your conversation. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't know anyone was here. Yes, and I gather from your comments there are a couple of other things you don't know, Marjorie. For example, you probably didn't know that Suzanne was the only contestant in Georgia pageant history to sweep every category except congeniality. And that is not something the women in my family aspire that's, to anyway. That's really or nice, that when she walked down the runway in her swimsuit, five contestants quit on the spot. Or that when she emerged from the isolation booth to answer the question, what would you do to prevent war? She spoke so eloquently of patriotism, battlefields, and diamond tiaras, grown men wept. That's really And sweet. you probably didn't know, Marjorie, that Suzanne was not just any Miss Georgia. She was the Miss Georgia. She didn't twirl just a baton. That baton was on fire. Look, that's and when she threw that baton into the air, it flew higher, further, faster than any baton has ever flown before, hitting a transformer and showering the darkened arena with sparks. Look. And when it finally did come down, Marjorie, my sister caught that baton and 12,000 people jumped to their feet for 16 and one half minutes of uninterrupted thunderous ovation as flames illuminated her tear-stained face and that Marjorie just so you will know and your children will someday know is the night the lights went out in Georgia <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't know. Well, now you do. Sweet doggy. I think that pretty much covered it. I don't, she got <laughs> I don't know on there's it. anything to say. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was really something. And it's so funny because, like, it's. I think it's really just, her delivery because some of the things that she's saying are almost a little silly, yeah. you know, but, but it doesn't matter because there's such passion there yeah, and such care for her sister that that's really what you like come away with from that whole segment. Oh yeah. That the whole sisterly love thing totally got me. And it's also, I think it's like a needed like moment for the audience because mm. We've been hearing her, uh, Marjorie Lee, be a little bit of a butt. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it just feels good to see people put people in their place for the very reason that normal people like you and I who aren't scripted, when the guy says something that's being a jerk face in the grocery store, we don't think about what to say until we get back in our car. Right. So we get to live vivaciously through this moment where right there. Yes, yes, and vivaciously. <laughs> I get to feel vivaciously about it, <laughs> vicariously through her. There you go, there you go. 
You're supposed to call me out in the chat feature. <laughs> well, I didn't want you to be embarrassed later when someone yells at you in their car. That's right. Call me. That, no, you're good. Thank you. Vicariously. So that was all great. I actually had something that came up for me, though, because of this speech. Oh, huh. But I don't, is there anything else that you want to say about this verbal takedown? There's really not that much. I mean, she said it. There's really not that much to say. I mean, knowing, acknowledging that there was a lot of sisterly love and protection happening there. This whole episode, Julia, has been kind of smack talking pageants and how stupid they are and how degrading they are. And in that moment, she pulls up. Uh, you know, the bikini, when she came out in her bikini, people quit and she threw these batons and, and just kind of doing that sisterly, like all the things I said were dumb, really weren't dumb. And she really does her thing in this amazing way. And I'm going to take up for her. So I think just if we've laid that groundwork, then we've said enough about that clip. I love that, that, that that's what you saw from that. And because I, I didn't think about the fact that it it was going against everything she had kind of said in the first part of the episode, but maybe it's also because like, if you do something with, with gusto, like then it matters. Right. And I think for Julia, like, while it's not for her and maybe that's how I feel about pageants. That's the bottom line, isn't it? uh, All right. Well, bye guys. See you later. (laughs) (laughs) We could have gotten there a while ago, I think. (laughs) It did. Yeah. It took us a minute, but we got around to it. If you love it, do it. (laughs) Right. And we support you. If it's for you and it makes you feel good and it makes you feel empowered, do it. I don't see pageants as the system that women are groomed into that you all have to this that was the point I was making earlier of the four women one of them did pageants which to me says we're not forced into it it's not a thing someone's making you do all the time there may be some situations where that's not true I Mm -hmm. you can't speak in you know total totality about every situation but I think for a lot of women who do pageants it's a choice it's a choice they make and I think that if it's a if it's a choice that makes you feel good do it man do it Live your life. Live your truth. It's not for me because it seems like a lot of work. It's a lot of makeup. It's a lot of hair. It's a lot of hairspray. seems like a lot of work. But if it's for you, it's for you, man. Yeah. So I think that's great. And I think because also, I know this isn't the point of the show, but I think just, and Nikki, I I don't want to speak for you here, but after knowing you for 10 years, I feel like I can confidently say that we both really believe in empowering people, um, especially women, because we are them, you know, <laughs> We're they. and so uh, them and they. And uh, and so I I think like that's sort of if if people can walk away and listen to this and just like us chit chat with each other and feel good about their day a little bit and feel good about themselves, and feel good about their friends and their family. And, like, that is so amazing to me. Yeah. Because we just want to feel, like, don't you just want to go through the day and feel good? Just want to feel good. <laughs> you just know? Just want to feel good. So I'm going to do a hard turn from here, though, because I said something really bothered me, and it did because this is known as that's the night the lights went out in Georgia speech. Right. It's it's infamous in the designing women world. And here's why that bothered me. Are you familiar with the song? Yes. Okay. If you're not familiar with the song, I'm sure there are people who aren't. But it was, in my mind, 
sang by Reba McIntyre, but that song came out in 1991. This is 86. So the first thing I did is I was like, because in my mind, it's so ingrained that Reba McIntyre sang this, that I was like, oh, this must be based on a true story. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, what a cool story, because I remember the night that they hung an innocent man. (laughs) And I know that you don't trust your soul to know backwards Southern lawyer, <laughs> you know, cause the judge in the town, he's got blood stain on, the, on his hands. That's what yeah. Right. So I, I was like, Oh cool. I'm going to go look up this real life story. And then what I realized is Reba McIntyre's version is the third version of mm-hmm. the song. That tracks. Did you that, know that? That seems, I did not know that, but that makes sense. So it I'm was gonna initially... level with you. I've never really thought about this issue for longer than it takes to listen to her song and the extent of me thinking about it is singing the song. So I feel like you're about to drop some fascinating historical knowledge. Well, you don't really, it's probably not thinking that it's going to be fascinating, but probably going to drop something. (laughs) So here I come dropping things. Um, So I want to say too, now that, uh, that you made that point that this, I love this song so much. There are two Reba McIntyre songs that really speak to me. And one is this one and the other is Fancy. We've Mm -hmm. been over this before. We cannot play the songs for you. Please go listen to them because they're very good. And there's a lot of life lessons in these songs. Mm, Yeah. Reba and Oh, so good. And I mean, I'm saying those right off the top of my head, but there's a million Reba songs. Yeah. Yes. That mean a ton to me. And Uh, so I think that was one of the reasons I felt the need to chase this down. So it was initially sang by Vicki Lawrence and it reached number one on the billboard. Yeah. Now tell them, tell them why Vicki Lawrence means something to you. Well, I don't know if if you know it because of mama's family. Yes. Which is one of my single favorite TV shows. But that's not where she got her start. No. Right. So, but I figured you were going to say that. And but that's a spinoff, I think, from the Carol Burnett show. Yes, that's right. I was trying okay. to remember what it was a spinoff of. Yes, that's right. So, uh, yeah. So I, I figured that would resonate with you because I had to remind myself of who Vicki Lawrence was. Oh, that's yeah. I was asking. Yeah. You but I, as soon as I saw who she was, I was like, oh, Nikki's going to know who that is. Oh, man. So, yeah. Number one on the billboards in 1972, Reba's never hit number one. Yeah, I think it'll, I can't remember, and I, but I feel like it maybe didn't even crack the top 10. Oh. But then there was a second version, and that was by Tanya Tucker. Oh. Yeah, in 1981, but it wasn't the words that you would know from Reba's or the original, and it was a twist in the reason on the song, and the reason why is because it was the theme song for a movie of the same name starring Dennis Quaid and Mark Hamill, you know, Luke from Star Wars. Huh. So I'm looking this up now while you're talking. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. I've seen that movie. I I had never even heard of it before. Uh, I I told my mom who the actress was that played the the leading actor. It's not actress, actor. And she, she was very famous, my mom said, around this time period. Um, but 
if you look at the, I, I don't want to go into everything that was about the plot, but you should look at the plot because it's it's kind of crazy. But you can tell that it is definitely still like the same. It's just like a, again a different twist on that same song, and but obviously over the course of a movie, it's still a brother and sister. There's still foul play involved. Mm-hmm. There's still a woman involved. Uh, and and so, anyways, uh, I just thought that was really interesting. And because that song means so much to me, I had to share as as my final side note <laughs> for the episode. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, getting back into the show, I apologize for that, but I couldn't help myself. Uh, cut to Claudia. She's on stage wrapping up the interview for the pageant. And basically she says what we've sort of been leading up to this moment. Like, I don't belong here. This isn't, I don't think this is really for me. Yeah. She wants to be a Vegas dancer, which I get it, girl. I mean, I didn't really, I thought that was sort of, it wasn't the choice I was expecting, but yeah, like (laughs) it just was sort of like a, hmm? Yeah. Yeah, I was just expecting them to say something different. I I didn't know what, but not that. It felt like she was going to say she like for the purposes of of this story, it would have been like a complete 180. I always struggle between 360 and 180, like a complete 180. So like has nothing to do with my body and has everything to do with my mind. So I was expecting like, I'm going to be a lawyer or a doctor or a rocket sign. I don't know. I, that's what I would have expected. So it was, it was just, it, that was a little bit of a strange choice. I felt like in the writer's room. Yeah. Um, it, but other than that, I, I mean, I thought it was a, it was a nice little speech. She called her mom out. She sure did. She and, sure did. and you could tell that Mary Jo was like, yep, I've kind of been a little bit of a jerk lately. Yeah. Uh, so, me. yeah. And so it doesn't show who wins, who loses. We cut back to um, the Sugar Baker residence, and they're celebrating Suzanne's birthday. Eating cake, uh, making eat, me hungry. Yep. That's right. Got to have something after all those hot dogs. Well-rounded and, meal. Right. And so I'm like, this actually sounds excellent. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> after we get off here, just so you know. Um, so that I, there's some, a cute thing where Julia gives um, – Susanna, her birth certificate, there's no birthday on yeah, it, that's funny. which was her mom's gift. And, and then Suzanne gives Claudia a tiara for showing class and courage. Everybody else leaves. It's just Suzanne and Julia left. They have like one more quick exchange, but it's really nice though, because she just, Suzanne like stops at the door and she looks at her and she just says, thanks for being my big sister. And I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, it was. And Selena, I don't think you've said this. You're an only child. So sometimes yeah. I, I'm curious how the sister-sibling um, relationship plays. But I I have a big sister. And so that moment like registered with me because uh, my sister was very protective of me when I was a kid. So it just is that like, I don't know. It was really nice to me. Well, I think, I think it, so I, I am an only child and, um, I think the only thing I can say is I've always wanted a sibling. So, uh, I mean, well, not always, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do sometimes like, especially 
because you don't know like necessarily that you're going to be close just because you have a sibling. Sure. But I, I still sometimes think, I especially think when my parents are aging, I'm like, sure, it would be great to have someone to help out. It would be me. <laughs> I'm very pragmatic in that way. But the reason I like it for the show so much is because I think it's a deepening of the characters. Yeah. And from the first episode, I, I don't even know I knew Julia liked Suzanne. Right. right. Unclear. That's changed completely <laughs> by this episode, which I think is what I loved about it so much. It's right. How, that's the sibling relationship, though. I'll just, I'll, that, that's the last thing I'll say about it is that's the sibling relationship. Like, um, you have this person or people that you're tethered to, whether you like it or not. Um, but it's your blood, man. And you grew up together and you know that person, or to a point in life, you knew that person better than most everyone else in the world. And so you know their triggers, you know what, um, what's good for them, what's bad for them. And so I think that's very much the, it's reflective of the sibling relationship. Like they kind of love hate. It's and a friendly sort of situation. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they must like each other to some extent. They've chosen to work together. Right. Uh, and they still have that cute little exchange, like the doors closed. And, and we didn't mention this at the top, but she was, Suzanne was trying to pretend like she wasn't turning 30, like she was turning 29 again. And so they have a cute little exchange at the end where Julia's like, I still say 30 and she's inside the house. And uh, Suzanne goes 29 from outside the door. <laughs> and, and, and I thought that was cute. Cause like, I like a nice sweet moment, but it is a comedy. And if it's a sitcom, like, isn't it funny? That's better for me. I swear we will not always be this detailed. Like I said, Nikki and I really love this episode because I'm about to break down You Got It, the closing credits. And oh, you're going to break down the closing credits? And yeah. you didn't catch the Stacy thing? Well, I because I but I wasn't reading. So this is so oh, funny. I, this is, I, know I was looking at the pictures. You were looking at the text. I see. This is, this is why we make a good team. <laughs> fair point. Fair, fair. We didn't even plan it this way, people. Can you believe it? I don't know. So what I wanted to do was a quick spotlight on Delta because Delta Burke, because you get all these pictures of her. And the reason why is I don't know if this was a, a writer's choice to make her a pageant winner. I don't know how all of this came together, but that is how Delta got her start. She entered and won Miss Florida in 1974 at only 18, making her the youngest title winner in the history of the pageant starts to sound a little bit like Julia's speech, no? Yeah. You know, from this, she received a talent scholarship. So you know that she, you, what does she stand up for in the episode, the scholarships? But this is a lot cooler, I think. It allows her to study at London Academy of Music and Dramatic Art. And this is where she's bitten by the acting bug. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so talk about paying your dues. Her first TV appearance was on Bozo the Clown after oh. winning. Yeah. How weird. After winning Miss Florida. And then after that, she worked with magician Herbert L. Becker as an assistant for six months. Shortly after that, she gets her television, her first TV show. I, I think maybe just an episode or two. And then, you know, a hop, skip, jump 10 years <laughs> in designing women. So, so she worked for a clown, a magician, and then made it onto national TV. It's funny that the two got connected. I mean, did she like? Is that I funny don't, though? That feels like a very I, small world. 
Yeah, I guess. I mean, was Bozo like, hey, man, I know Herbert personally. You're a beautiful yeah, woman. Herbie. Yeah. You're really pretty. You want, you want to be a magician? Would you like to get cut in half? Yeah. What? What what do you find to be a good time? So I don't, you want to wear something skimpy on stage while I'm fully dressed in a tux? Doesn't that sound amazing? I don't know that's what her outfit was, but that's what they usually look like. Sure. So. Well, so that's that's that. Are you ready to rate this sucker? I am. And I, you know, I'm the time cop on this. So I'm going to say that we've had a very long episode. So can we do a quick rate? Yeah. Okay. Let's you go first. I think we've already said we really love it. Yeah. And I think we've already gone into great detail about why. I give so it 10 I, tiaras. T- <laughs> oh, we're just making up ratings. We just make stuff up now. <laughs> oh, okay. What? 10 out of what? 10, man. Okay. Always well, I'm just checking. Okay. Well, I'm staying with, with I'm staying with sweet teas <laughs> because that's what I have written here. Um, but I accept, I accept your tiaras. I love it. I love that you changed it up. Good for you. I like to be on you, theme. I want you to be free to be you, Nikki. Thank you. Um, I do and then, that. but I'm going to stubbornly dig into my sweet teas <laughs> and I'm going to, I gave it a four out of five. Because, and here's why, I don't think we've hit peak designing women, mm. but this was pretty darn good. Was yeah. that quick enough? That, that was very <laughs> quick. And I just, an, an addendum to mine. Uh, yeah, I thought the um, writing on this one was really good. I definitely see why the, the, nights, the night the lights went out in Georgia speech is like designing women canon. It was, it was legendary. Um, and I just, I thought it was, I thought it's very cool how they explored both sides of the pageant discussion. The caveat being it's a very short show and they can't cover that much. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, re- I thought it was really entertaining, a very entertaining episode. I lied. I lied. What'd you lie about? I have one more thing. Okay. Did you notice they didn't say anything about Ted? <laughs> You know, actually, as we were getting ready to record and I was reading that Hulu description, that is so funny. You're like, so so again, I think we need to remind people we are not in the same room. Um, We are still separated from one another. So we're doing this virtually. We've done all of this virtually. We do not share detailed notes with one another. We, we, this is very, um, we have a general arc for the show just to make sure that we cover everything we need to. But in general, we keep all our stuff to ourselves. So I just, we're on the same page today because as I was reading that Hulu description, I was like, is there something to be said about the fact that there was no Ted reference? Are we coming back to that? But there was a Ted reference and that's where I'm annoyed. Oh, did I miss it? It's where they say, what, whatever they say, the three male names, when they say, you don't see... Ted, Bill, or oh. whoever, they even mention a Ted. Yeah, like he just didn't exist. It's kind of, oh, uh, Bob, Frank, and Ted. The thing is, is they could have said Tom, Dick, and Harry. Right. Which is more well-known. So right. That's just so strange. We don't hear about that's Ted. That's really weird. Good call. But but then they're like, and it comes out of Mary Jo's mouth. I'm like, yes, your ex-husband. Right. The one that Suzanne is engaged to. Right, right, right. So right. it's it's not, I, we've hit on all of our 80s and Southern things throughout the episode, but that was my last thing that felt very 80s when comparing this to the pilot is that nothing pivotal from the first episode comes up again. 
not yeah. the financial challenges that the firm is having. Sure. Uh, nothing about Ted. We're just on and done, and Ted never existed. And we've closed the book on that, I guess. Well, you know my opinions on Ted. That might be for the best. It might be for the best, but I just had to say it because that was killing me, man. Killing me. <laughs> Any late breakers? Anything else you want to add? No, I think I better cut myself off from the late breakers. Man, I'm telling you, this this episode had so much in it. I am very excited to see what episode three has, which is where we'll go next. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know that we'll have as many opinions on it. Maybe we'll have just as many. So stick with us. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at Sweet Tea and TV. Um, you are welcome to tag posts with hashtag Sweet Tea TV. We really want to, and I will let Selena chime in on this because she is She's very excited about this. We would love to see anything you want to share with us that shares your Southernism. Right, Selena? That's right. Uh, because, I mean, we, can, we Nikki and I can talk about designing women all day. We're proving it right now. Uh, we're just going to go into the midnight hours, just <laughs> breaking it down. We're going to keep talking about it after we stop this episode. But what we also want to do is just give folks the opportunity uh, we can, like we said, we can only really speak to Georgia, Atlanta. I mean, w of course, we've traveled around the South and we've been to Charleston and Savannah and Chattanooga. Okay, I'm not going to give you the whole list, but you get the idea. But whether it's like your favorite park in your, like around your neighborhood or near your neighborhood, or maybe you're sitting in traffic and you hate it and you're like, hey, yeah, this is my South, sweet tea ladies. <laughs> like whatever it is, we want to see that. Uh, on the flip side, bringing it back to designing women. Also, if you have questions about something that we talked about in the episode or just questions about the episode in general, like send them our way. Yeah. We'll, we can address those on the show. Uh, we'd be happy to do that. So, I mean, there's several different ways to engage with us. And, uh, you know, we want this to be a conversation, uh, not just between us, but with you all as well. So we also have a website on that note, www.sweetteatv.com. Um, and you can always email us at sweetteatvpod at gmail.com. Again, to Selena's point, we would love corrections on Nikki's nibbles if you just want to um, get a copy of that jingle so that you can play. Nibbles. That's <laughs> N-I. B is in boy. B is in boy. <laughs> L-E-S. And, you know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm leaning in on it. It is still Nikki's nibbles. I changed not the name because I've recorded the jingle. Yeah. Don't change the name anyway. I, we just need to do some selling just because B's and P's get mixed up. So we welcome your thoughts, your reviews of my jingle, um, whatever. We would love to hear from you. Um, and we very much hope you'll join us next time where we will dive into episode three of Designing Women. We're back for another segment of Sweet Tea Extra Sugar. This week, we're actually going to do a little bit of unfinished business uh, because we had some things come up in our very first look at the Designing Women pilot. And so I needed to circle back on that. This is where Mary Jo called Suzanne the B word. And I got a little call from my co-host, Nikki, to do a little do a little extra digging. So as a reminder, I really put you on the spot to do that research. And I'm sorry about that. It, hey, it's I, done. I aggressively and like 
super committedly committed you to it. No, not aggressive at all. But as a reminder, so people know there was a call for it. We'll play that little piece right now from our pilot coverage episode. I actually looked it up and couldn't find it, but I did not think the FCC allowed you to say that word. Yeah. I thought that was still one of the seven deadly words. I could almost swear I remember when they started to allow that to be said on television. And like the networks almost made a joke of it. And in their promos, I want to say this is in the mid nineties and I looked and I couldn't find it. I might look again because I'm pretty annoyed. I couldn't find it, but you should look was, again. Cause it actually struck me that they used it in so many ways, so many different times throughout the episode. All right, Nikki. So first, as the censors would say, I fudged up. Uh Oh yeah. So I said, the seven deadly words. There's no seven deadly words. <laughs> it's the seven dirty words. Right. <laughs> I thought deadly sounded a little, a little yeah. over the top, but yeah, I, it's not that serious, you know. But I think I was getting <laughs> like, well, maybe. So I, I was getting like the religion, like the seven deadly sins, confused. right. But do you know what I'm talking about? The seven dirty words? This is really, it's ringing a bell like way back. So I think we've talked about the fact that we both went to journalism school and this feels like a, something I learned at some point in my very expensive college career. Yeah. So it refers to a very famous uh, stand-up by comedian George Carlin. Right. And, and it, so it's the seven words you can never say on television. So I can't repeat the words here. Well, I could, but we'll lose our claim podcast, <laughs> but you can <laughs> easily that. find them. Yeah. Uh, we just, but it's because we want to be inclusive, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I can't repeat them. You can easily find them. It's actually a really funny and insightful stand up. George Carlin is very smart. The reason Nikki, that this rings a bell too, is because if you'll remember this is, it actually winds up turning into a case that hits all or that goes all the way to the Supreme Court. Oh, see, We're, this is why it's probably a blank spot in my head. When I got into legal, I turned off. Oh, really? So I love comms law, oh, but it got so yeah, but I'm right. I'm not going to do that to you or anybody Thank else. You. Like we're trying to get people to listen, not, not listen. So <laughs> just know that like, we're not just talking about a stand up. We're talking about something that sort of changed the way that we're viewing television to this day. Right. Okay. But the other mistake I made was that the word you won't find among those seven words is the B word. Really? Yeah, it's not one of those. They're they're way more, like, that's kind of mundane compared to the other seven. Just go check them out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So but here's where I get really sad. I couldn't ever find an explicit answer to just whether or not you could or could not say the B word on TV. I just never could. Um, And I think it's because basically it's not that simple, but I did find a couple of things uh, through this. This was a total excavation. I can't even tell you. Yeah. So, but here's what I was able to find. Basically, I think that happening, which I want to stop for a second and say, Nikki and I don't care. Like (laughs) it's, it's not that we're like, Oh, how dare my oh, pearls? Let me get them. my fan out. Yeah, we don't care. It's just that we thought this is 1986, and we didn't think that was a thing. 
that you could say on television. I honestly at the time. think maybe the 80s and the early 90s were just the Wild West because there's a lot of times when I'm watching things from the 80s, I'm like, holy crap, they're allowed to say that in a PG movie? I had no idea. Yeah, maybe we just didn't realize that. I, I don't know if it's ahead of the time right. or right. whatever. I don't so, know. But, but there, he, there we are. Something and, struck us about it. Right. It seemed interesting. Well, and so what I really think it is, is this is just a little example of broadcast TV really scrambling to keep up with the rising popularity of cable TV. Oh. I'm going to break out my primers again here. Oh, no. Broadcast being your CBSs, your ABCs, your NBCs, not quite yet. Your Foxes, that doesn't happen quite yet. And then also your cable TV is going to be like your Showtimes and your HBOs. Right. I also didn't realize that Showtime was a thing in the 70s, but it was. So oh. that was new to me. Here's why there's a difference. Unlike broadcast TV, cable TV didn't have to follow a bunch of strict rules by the FCC. Mm -hmm. So, guys, I realized that last time I was just like dropping words like randomly and acting like every not everyone knows what the FCC is. Again, I think the only reason I probably really know what it is is two reasons. One is because I went to journalism school, and the other Tom's reason, law. Uh, yeah, but the other reason is probably because of. Uh, Jack Janet Jackson's nibble. Nibble. <laughs> <laughs> Janet's nibbles. <laughs> Come watch the Super Bowl <laughs> with Justin Timberlake. He apologized many so. many years later. <laughs> Free Britney. Anyway, <laughs> so the FCC is the Federal Communications Commission. And they regulate basically everything over the air, broadcast TV, radio, satellite, like everything but internet. So I'm only telling you that. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make this school. I just don't want people to be like, well, she stopped using all these acronyms. So anyways, that's, that's who is the, the difference maker between what, what all you can say on like a designing women and what all you can say like in a stand-up routine on HBO, which by the way, as premium cable is rising, uh, they're going full potty mouth, as Vulture's secret history of television tells us. And so what we find out is that TV viewers, they're there for it. They're really enjoying it. And in fact, they, they go on to say, Vulture does, that Eddie Murphy's 1983 HBO special, Delirious, single-handedly moved the profanity revolution forward. So uh, let me ask you, Nikki, are you familiar with Delirious? Only in like legend. Like I've never seen it, but I'm I, like, I know it. Okay. So the Eddie, Eddie Murphy, I mean, everybody knows who Eddie Murphy is, but like Eddie Murphy in 1983, I mean, we're talking about like, he is just about at the top of his game. I mean, or like, I mean, he is reaching legendary status right. at this point. You should go watch Delirious. It's very funny. Do you want to take a guess at how many times he drops the F word over the course of that stand-up routine? 124 times. More than 200 times. Oh, wow. I wasn't so far off. Yeah, you did really well. So anyway, so that is really like, like all those things are propelling forward and like I think, unfortunately, still happens today, broadcast TV is just trying to keep up. Yeah. You know, uh, they're just trying to keep up with Game of Thrones. <laughs> just trying. I mean, that shows off the air now, but you get what I'm saying. 
so let's flash forward to 2009 because I went back and looked specifically at the B word. The New York Times reported in 2009 that use of that word tripled between 1998 and 2007 from 431 uses on 103 shows to 1,277 uses on 685 shows. Hmm. So clearly, like, just in general, like, it's really amping up in the usage. Right. And then at the same time, I went and I dug up an FCC opinion in response to viewer complaints during the same time period as the tripling. And here's what they said. This word, as well as a handful of others, um, within the given context, did not meet the standards of what they deem to be obscene, indecent, or profane. Mm -hmm. So it's very likely that even if, like, they had received a complaint on Designing Women, they would have ruled similarly because it doesn't meet the standards. Right. Okay. So I think that's the big that's the big things to share. I do want to bring it back to Georgia, though. I want to bring it back to the South. Georgia, because we learned Georgia comms law. We didn't learn Alabama comms law. Right. We're in Georgia. So I wound, wound up, like, those three words were really, like, reminding me of something. I was like, obscene, indecent, profane. Um, I'm like, <laughs> not just. I that's not, so funny. I well, I'm like it just reminds all my favorite me of things. all of my favorite pastimes. Um, so in things addition to that, my favorite things. <laughs> obscene, profane. Right. Oh, look at you! You just make it up songs left and right. I can't help it. I just can't. You're on a roll now. <laughs> so, but when I I wind up looking back in my mass comms book or whatever, I had to share with you this passage that I highlighted years ago. So this is the first law relating to obscenity or indecency in Georgia. It was, excuse me, enacted in the late 1800s and aimed at protecting the so-called fragile sensibilities of the fairer sex and forbade obscene and vulgar language in the presence of females. And Nikki, it doesn't get more Southern than that. <laughs> How generous and kind of men, folk. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Oh, Lord. You can't see it, but I rolled my eyes very deeply. Very understood. So that is my deep dive. You did a great job. Thank you. Thank you for taking that assignment very seriously. <laughs> One for taking it. This assignment I unknowingly told out. You should look that up. So now you know. Cool. <laughs> 